This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Hey, this is Matt Pizzolo. I do Cal Exit, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast with Joe and Matt. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 454 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Legacy Podcast. It's not, no, we're not, we're not doing all that anymore. All new, all different. My name is Matt Baum. And I'm Joe Patrick. For more than 15 years, it's been more than 15 years, Matt. You don't, you're not good at math. For more than probably like something like 25 or 30 years, Matt and I have been bickering back and forth about comics like an old married couple. If that couple stumbled upon a cursed underground ziggurat built by a pre-human civilization and then refused into one body, it was a whole thing, as Matt likes to say. Don't get me started on that again. I did air quotes there. This week, we're back at it, reviewing 12 new comics during the ludicrous speed round. Then, we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to discuss our must-read picks for next week. We'll check in with the Orca to read another one of his famous postcards. And finally, we'll open the phone lines for our cover-to-cover segment. It's all happening here on your digital listening device. But before we bust out our golden shovels to dig our way out of this shit, we just want to remind you nerds that friends... Don't let friends see bad Stephen King movie adaptations. I heard it was rough. Ooh, I heard it was terrible. How does that even happen anymore? When I don't you know. spend that much money on a movie. I don't know. <laughs> now let's talk about this week's nerd news. Nerd news. Sorry, I almost forgot. Yeah, you almost forget every week. I know. After two film installments of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, Dave Bautista looks like he might move into another comic book universe. I think it's Bautista. Bautista. Yeah. With a tweet teasing a previously unknown project featuring a character from Valiant Entertainment. Responding to a fan question, Bautista, who of course plays Drax in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, said that he was, quote, really excited about Valiant's Eternal Warrior, adding... We're currently working to get the script fan worthy, and then we'll be full on from there. Fan worthy. Fan worthy. <laughs> Valiant CEO Dinesh Shamdasani declined to comment on the existence of an Eternal Warrior movie in development, saying, quote, I can neither confirm nor deny that at Dave Bautista just revealed a giant secret. Lol. He, oh, this was in a tweet. In a tweet, yeah. Okay, I didn't know if he was speaking in Twitter. Yeah, yes, he said at, at Dave Bautista <laughs> to that, the reporter. Like, is that what we do now? Right. I don't know. Yes. Sources told the Hollywood Reporter's Heat Vision blog that any such project would likely be related to the Archer and Armstrong movie currently being developed in Valiant's comic book mythology. The Eternal Warrior, a.k.a. Gilad Anipada, is the brother of Armstrong and a third sibling, Ivar, a.k.a. Time Walker. Yep. Old boys. They've been around forever. Forever. Resurrected using a mysterious artifact after a battlefield death millennia ago, Gilad has become functionally immortal. He can be killed. It's just that he will come back to life afterwards, no matter how painful a process that might be. It's gross. Across the centuries, he falls into the service of the Earth itself, defending the Geomancer, a being chosen by the planet to act as its champion in times of need. Sometimes it's a little kid. Yeah. Sometimes it's like an old Chinese lady. Right now it's a little girl. Yeah, you never know. And she's great. Uh, An Eternal Warrior project would add to an already busy schedule for Valiant, which is currently developing, as we said, Archer and Armstrong, and also Shadow Man in-house to be shopped to various studios. And they're also working on Harbinger and Bloodshot for Sony, 
and both are being written by Arrivals Eric Heiser, who's been working on uh, Secret Weapons, Secret Weapons, which yeah. is great. So Matt Batista as the Eternal Warrior, yay or nay? I got a thing for wrestlers in movies, and it's one of those things where if I'm directing a movie and I need a big dude. Bet your ass I'm getting a wrestler. But yeah, like, these guys can act. They can. They act every week. Uh, yeah, okay, fair. Yes, that's fair. But what I need is I need to see Batista. Honestly, this is so dumb, but I need to see him with a beard. I need to see him with a beard before he can be my Eternal Warrior. But Eternal Warrior doesn't always have a beard. Not always, but whenever we see like flashbacks of him back in the day, he's a bearded dude. Yeah. You know, like old bearded dude. Well, I mean, that's just, it's Hollywood, man. They could put a beard on anybody. Sure. He's certainly big enough to do it. I think Batista's proved he can act. I think he. Here's where I'm at with it, though. I think that as, as Drax, for the demands right. of the character of Drax, it's he does a great job. But I mean, like, the Eternal like, Warrior's like, quiet. He's not like an over emotionally yeah, I mean, guy. He's got, I mean, like, more depth than Drax, don't you certainly, think? Certainly. Certainly. But he, again, he's just sort of like badass, quiet type. I'd like to see Batista. I don't see any reason why he couldn't do this. I Has he been in any other movies? I'd like to see him like in yeah. any other kind of role just to see what kind of actor he really is. He was is. in the last, well, I mean, he didn't have a lot of lines, but he was in the last 007 film. And like, oh, was he? Yeah. I mean, uh, what's he coming up in real quick here? I just, oh, he's in the new Blade Runner as well. Oh. Yeah, he's got like weird robot eyes in the new Blade yeah, Runner. Yeah, Yeah, no, I, I have no problem with this. My only thinking here is Valiant, I almost wonder if they should be looking at TV series instead of movies. Like what Marvel does at Netflix, because these stories are so big. Like, why would you try and crush something like the Eternal Warrior into one movie? You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that could be season after season when after I, season. When I think of the Eternal Warrior, I think of like a cheesy... Uh, a cheesy, like, syndicated, like, Saturday afternoon or Saturday night show. Right. Uh, that's still really enjoyable, like... Yeah, like the old Hercules like series. Highlander, or, specifically, what I was about. Totally. Hercules and Xena, yeah. exactly right. Uh, There's no shortage of stories is my issue here. And right. I, especially when you're dealing with immortal characters. Maybe we don't need to crush them into a movie. Yeah, I like, I see what Valiant's trying to do. I and do I know that, like, the temptation has to be there for them to try to replicate any of the success that Marvel and DC have right. been having. And I get it. But the thing about Valiant is that they don't have the characters. No. We love Valiant. That's not what we're saying. But well, they, they don't have the iconic history. Yes. They have the characters. They don't necessarily have the recognition. Right. So you're not going to be able to sell. Right. Shadow Man. A Shadow Man movie like you can sell an Iron Man movie. Of course. Uh, or even Guardians of the Galaxy, but which was such a... if it's a really great, critically yeah. lauded TV show, people are going to watch it. I want it to be good. Yeah. I don't want them to try to, like... I don't need them to necessarily, like, really try hard to tie everything together like Marvel's been doing or, like, DC's been well, they don't rushing have to, to do. They don't have to try that hard because Valiant already is It's all, all interconnected. Together. Right, right. Yeah. But I just... just concentrate on making the movies good and building yes. the universe, quote-unquote, Second. But I don't think Batista's a bad choice at all. Fair. The story isn't exactly comic related, but it's every young nerd's dream. In a listing on usajobs.gov, which is a real thing, yeah. NASA says it's searching for a planetary protection officer. Oh, boy. According to the job listing, planetary protection is concerned with the avoidance of organic constituent and biological contamination in human and robotic space exploration. Like you do. Seems sure. reasonable yeah. to me. Like what Captain Planet did. Right. right, yeah. NASA maintains policies for planetary protection applicable to all spaceflight missions that may intentionally 
intentionally or unintentionally carry earth organisms like you and me and organic constituents to planets or like other poop. solar system Organic bodies. constituents. Yeah, like, like, yeah. like poops. Like if you landed on an asteroid and pooped. And you're like, oh, no. They'd be like, Joe. I was, I was trying to hold it in. You ah! couldn't hold it. <laughs> and any mission employing spacecraft which are intended to return to Earth and its biosphere with samples from extraterrestrial targets of exploration. Like so, the movie Life. Yeah, so it, it's not just protecting which Earth. Which is not a great movie. <laughs> right. So it's not just protecting Earth from aliens. We'd be protecting aliens from us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The position pays six figures, up to $187,000 per year, or roughly the amount we spent in quarters while training in the last Starfighter arcade game in the 80s. It's adjusted for inflation, obviously. Fair enough. Before you go apply online, let's take a look at some of the job requirements, shall we? One, you have to have advanced knowledge of planetary protection. We've got that. Yep. It's requirements and mission categories. This includes demonstrated technical expertise to independently form. I mean, yeah. Check. We can do that. Check. Demonstrated experience planning, executing, or overseeing elements of space programs of national significance. Obviously. We do that in secret almost every (laughs) week. I mean, really? Come on. These elements include, but are not limited to, developing requirements performing technical assessments, and preparing recommendations to leadership. Okay, that's enough. That doesn't even mean anything. It's just like, yeah, I recommend recommend things to leadership constantly. Demonstrated skills in in diplomacy that result in win-win solutions. That sounds like it's right out of the art of the deal. (laughs) During extremely difficult and complex multilateral discussions, this includes building coalition amongst organizations to achieve common goals. Now, this is where they're losing me. I'm more of a shoot first, ask questions later kind of guy. Is it just me? There's 190 grand a year, a little chintzy for a planetary protector's salary. Yeah, I mean, do you get a space station? Do you get a space? Is this station? like this is like Captain Marvel's job, right? Yeah, this is like, like what sword does. You've got Alpha Flight, right? And you wear matching outfits. Which I still don't get why Alpha Flight's there, but whatever. Because <laughs> it's a Canadian yeah, space station, you know. man. I don't know. All right, Sasquatch, you're going to space. Uh, you and your buddy Puck, put on this helmet, <laughs> Sasquatch. It's gigantic. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, it's like. So, okay, obviously this is a silly story that I picked just for fun, and it has nothing to do with comics, but... But they're hiring Earth's what, Green Lantern. What a ludicrous thing to read in, like, you're just, like, flipping through the World Herald, and yeah. you, you're scrolling down, and it's like... Wanted. Green Lantern. Fry Cook. <laughs> uh, immediate openings for telemarketers. Planetary protection right. office. Protector of Space Sector 009. Or- it's cool. It's a cool thing, and I, I'm thrilled that NASA is like, yep, look... We gotta be. We gotta be ready. We gotta protect. We gotta protect the universe from our own dumbasses. But don't they all do this when they go to space? Isn't this part of the deal? Like you get a packet that says "Don't poop on the asteroid." And like first and <laughs> foremost, right? I mean, I would think that step title one, of this week's show: "Don't poop on the asteroid." Yes, <laughs> I would think that step one of astronaut training is don't pull down your astronaut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go before you go. You know, that's old. <laughs> your mom taught you that years ago. That is the big news for this week. We got a little short because nothing happened. But if you want to discuss any of the stories that we missed, hit us up on our Facebook, on our Twitter, or the big news section over at the THN forums. Listen, we got to make room for the Orca. Yeah, jump in the discussion. Let us know what we got wrong, what we missed, corrections. There's always plenty, you know, and we'd love to hear from you. Always plenty. Every week, the Ziggurat's chief of astronaut cleanup, Joe Patrick. Post the question of the week. It's a dirty job. In the THN forums. Joey, what are we asking the nerds? This question of the week comes from King of the Forums, Brian Domingos, who asks... Self-proclaimed King of the Forums. Yeah, but we gave it to him. Yeah, he sees the he sees the throne. We let it happen. Yeah. What is the secret origin of your thing? You mean like... like 
Because it just kind of grew there. Allow him to elaborate. (laughs) Jesus gave it to me. I don't know. (laughs) Everyone knows Wooly Toots loves Conan. And Anthony, residing in Brooklyn, loves the Legion of Superheroes. And if you're new to the show, those are two people that listen to this show. Listen, And talk right. about that a lot. You're all in. Okay? But, look, you get it. You yeah. get it. Everybody, ha- everybody has an, an unnatural attachment sure. to one specific right. part of fandom, right? Right. Like me and Shaquille O'Neal. Like you and Space Jam, specifically. Actually, oh, Sin, that was Michael Jordan. Sinbad. Yeah. That nice was, try it, but I, I guess all those black basketball players look the same to you. It's not huh? that. It's that I've never yeah. seen Space Jam. Shaq and MJ? <laughs> Come on, man. No, <laughs> it's not that. I didn't confuse the two. It's that I've never seen Space Jam. Space Jam's a piece of shit. Hot take. I know Space that, Jam, piece of shit. I know that Bill Murray's in it. Bill Murray is in it. Anyway, what is the story of how you fell in love with the thing that you love the most? Okay. In, in fandom. Yeah, your thing's origin story. Listen, I don't want any phone calls about your dingus. I can't wait for Zach Hollowell's call. (laughs) You can call the Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894, and leave a message there. Or you can also email your MP3 answer to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Keep it under two minutes. You'll get cut off. Or call us live on Saturday, one week from, uh, I guess, this recording. Yes, today. (laughs) But it won't be today for them. Because they won't hear it until, like, Monday. Don't do that. You're just going to fuck up the space-time continuum. I'm just saying, like... Keep in mind we have the like, like six listeners that are blinking out of existence. Planar right now. like temporal drift. <laughs> Call us live Saturday for THN cover to cover between the hours of eleven and twelve thirty Central Standard Time. It's true, but we got to keep your thoughts short and succinct. So yeah, you look, can share the air. Kids. We love you all. We want to include you all. Yeah. Matt is like cutting people willy nilly without asking me first. That's right. So we're gonna start bringing you in a little we're, bit. Yeah, we're probably But if you gonna, need yeah. more than two minutes, head over to the THN web forums. There, you can join the other well-endowed listeners in some delightfully respectful discussion. Always respectful. Of today. your things. <sighs> yeah, your respective things. Pictures, too. We need pictures. No. No! Well, once again, it's my birthday. And once again... Matt forgot. Explosion noise. Engine. What the hell I did? What the hell, dude? Where did you get a monster truck? Not just any monster truck. This is Gravedigger Joe, a goddamn legendary monster truck. Because nothing is too good for my buddy's 40th birthday. I'm, I'm only 39. Whatever. Get your birthday fun in here, and let's review 12 new comics while we crush the Moloid sacred temples in the biggest, baddest, damn pick 'em up truck. Ever to roll off the assembly line in Detroit, Michigan. It's time for the best damn Joe Patrick birthday ludicrous speed round ever. But you should probably drive because I am wasted. I was really more of a Bigfoot guy growing up, but... Shut your filthy mouth. Ludicrous speed! Go! Elsewhere, number one from Image. 32 pages for $3.99. Jay Farber returns with yet another new genre book, this time featuring the story of what happened to Amelia Earhart after her fateful flight in 1937. Earhart finds herself in Corvath, a fantasy world of dragons and evil dictators, on the run from hunters and searching for her missing co-pilot. Well, everybody knows that's what happened. Yeah. She ultimately finds a fellow refugee from Earth, but it's not who she was expecting, and that was a totally fun twist. Is it Tarzan? It's Tarzan. Yes! I really enjoyed this issue, which was beautifully drawn by Turkish artist 
Sumai Kesgin. We got to get a hold of him. It's a lady. It's a it's a lady. That's why I said them. With colors. Oh, I thought you said him. Like, them. We got to get a hold of him. That person. Gotcha. With colors by. <laughs> I don't see gender. So, oh, uh-huh. yeah. With colors by Ron Riley. Keskin's art. I has, just have sex with everything. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Keskin's art has a very strong Ryan Otley vibe to it, and she does an amazing job she realizing really the world of Corvath and its inhabitants. Jay Farber is a master when it comes to coming up with concepts with a great hook. Elsewhere was no exception. Absolutely buy it. It was really good. Robotech number one from Titan. Finally, it's here. Finally. 32 pages for $3.99. Robotech. You've been trying to review this comic for the last three weeks. Good Lord. Brian Wood steps up to revive Harmony Gold's classic animated series for a whole new generation. I loved the Robotech mythos since I first encountered the classic anime as a kid way back in Waco, Texas in 1980. Yes, I'm wretchedly old, but that's beside the point. Wood stays very true to the original anime while injecting his own brand of excellent dialogue and humanity into the story. Stanley Lau provides a cover here in his usual amazing soft anime style, but the interior art is anything but. Marco Torini handles pencils, and his art is very, very busy and detailed. I liked his style. It looked like it took him six months to draw two pages. It was crazy. But... I can't help but miss the anime style. Was in this it almost story. like too busy? I mean, because I have a similar problem with no, the, with the I'm not modern. Go that far. I'm not going to go that far. I have a similar issue with the modern Transformers comics. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, I agree. But the way that Robotech, the Robotech with the show was drawn, it was very detailed and yeah. detail heavy. So I see him working here. This isn't a complaint, I should say, because the comic was fantastic. I just felt a little weird seeing the Robotech cast drawn in such an American comic style. Sure. Still, I'm giving it a buy. The Voltron comics from Dynamite were kind of the same. Well, I would argue they still had a little bit of that animated sort of feel to them. I mean, well, they, they softened it a little. It, it, looked, it depends on which volume you're looking at, because right. there were multiple. Right. Adventure Time, regular show, number one from Boom. It's 32 pages for $3.99. The crossover we all demand. <laughs> yeah. Writer Connor McCreary and artist Mattia DeMeo unite two of Cartoon Network's most popular shows in an unlikely story that finds the land of Ooh under siege by the diabolical Master of Division. <laughs> Their only hope is to travel through a portal to a world of limitless power. Yep, you guessed it. The world of Mordecai, Rigby, Muscle Man, and High Five Ghost. Nice. McCreary nails the voices of each of the characters from both casts, and DeMeo's art is a perfect fit blending the styles of the two shows together and like I looked at it again when I was writing this review and I didn't even notice I didn't even think about it while I read it uh, the two art styles for the shows are really different totally and in this comic it's just see that's, perfect I love that when they just like crush stuff like that together yeah. that's what I was complaining about Mighty Mouse why not just put animated Mighty Mouse in the real world you know yeah. it would look so much cooler this well to be in yep. Mighty Mouse in Mighty Mouse's defense, I think the artist cried. <laughs> he just wasn't good at it. This was a quick, fun read that will definitely appeal to fans of either show. And if you can't find at least something to like here, you're probably a jerk. I'm giving Adventure Time regular show number one up. Buy it. Mech Cadet U number one from Boom, 32 pages, 399. Why you, not why owe you. Yeah. For those kids. Hey you, Mech Cadet! <laughs> Greg Pack writes a story that's equal parts Iron Giant meets Amazing Z. Each year, a group of highly trained recruits is paired with a giant alien robot to help defend the Earth from alien menaces like the Sharg. That's the only way I can say that. From the, uh, the Shark. <laughs> only this time, an unlikely janitor meets a flawed giant robot, and the two become fast friends. 
Pack Story is perfect for all ages and plays on the nerd with a heart of gold, makes good trope perfectly. Takeshi Miyazawa's art is perfect and pays homage to old school anime like Giant Robo. Part of me wished Miyazawa was drawing Robotech, honestly. But again, Ooh, that would've been good. That's beside the point. That would've been good. Pack's story and setup was great, and while he's not pushing any storytelling boundaries here, he's playing in a genre I truly love: little kids and big robots. Mech Cadet U is an absolute buy it. I see that you uh, stripped out the Amadeus Cho references and shoved in the Iron Giant stuff. You were definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. New God Special <laughs> number one from DC, forty-eight pages, four ninety-nine. I don't give a shit about the totally awesome. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's fair. I don't care. That's fine. This is the first of several specials being released in honor of what would have been Jack Kirby's 100th birthday later this month. This issue includes a full-length lead story by Shane Davis, written and drawn, in which Calabac tries to infiltrate New Genesis to enslave Forager's people, only to run afoul of Light Ray and Orion, son of Darkseid. There's also a short Orion backup by the legendary Walt Simonson, and two quick reprints from the king himself. Shane Davis is a very talented artist, but placing his work up against a master like Simonson, as well as the very source of this issue's inspiration, makes his work pale in comparison. Yeah. And look, I'm sorry, I read that weird video game Matrix comic he put out, and it was not good. It was terrible. Kirby is Kirby, of course, and Simonson has proven time and again to be a worthy imitator of Kirby's bombastic, effortlessly imaginative style. Like, if you have not read Walt Simonson's Orion series from it's the early 2000s, so good. I still have that track that shit run. down. It's great. Davis's story, as pretty as it is, is just a 20-page fight scene. I'm giving the New God special a skim it because I really wish they would have let Simonson take the lead. I didn't care about this at all, honestly. Turok, number one from Dynamite, 32 pages for $3.99. Can we just address the elephant in the room, please? Turok is black now. Used to be Native American, now he's black. Are you Why? Really? No idea, but the racial change didn't take me out is of the story. Is it like a new Turok? If it is, they're not telling you. <laughs> Writers Aubrey Sitterson and Chuck Wendig do a wonderful job of fleshing out Turok's world, where a lizard-slash-dinosaur race lords over human slave class and keeps the dialogue quippy, and direct in the spirit of some of my favorite B.M. Bendis stories. Alvaro Saracasa is wonderful on art here, bringing real emotion to both his human and Saurian characters. There is no reason that I can think of for having any kind of affinity for Turok other than an intense love for the Nintendo 64 video game adaptation and a much smaller love for the 1992 Turok relaunch. Again, wretchedly old. But this is the Turok story we deserve, and the Dr. Spectre backup was great! Do I wish this was happening at Valiant? Yeah, sure. But that doesn't change the fact that Turok number one was great and it gets a huge buy. Those Turok video games weren't even based on the original Valiant. No. They were based on the acclaimed yeah, like, yeah, mid-90s yeah. version. Yeah, it was great. Generations, the strongest. Number one, Marvel, 40 pages, $4.99. Uh, this was awkwardly solicited as Generations colon Banner Hulk slash Totally Awesome Hulk. Yeah. But it says right on the cover, the strongest, number one. Why wouldn't you just call it that? I have this feeling they were like, if we don't put Hulk in the title, no one's Nobody order will order Yeah, they won't know what they're ordering. Yeah. yeah. So this Generations thing is supposed to be some kind of bridge between Secret Empire and Marvel Legacy, right? At least that's what I thought it was supposed to be. But this issue has hit the stands before any kind of inciting event happened in the pages of Secret Empire. So there's no context at all for why Amadeus Cho suddenly finds himself face-to-face with Bruce Banner in the past. Nicely done, he's just, guys. He's just there. 
On top of that, it's like if you turned into the middle of Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you watched it in reverse. <laughs> On top of that, literally 50 to 60% of this issue's pages are devoted to a giant slugfest that offers nothing toward whatever kind of closure or insight that I feel was promised with this generation's mini-event. If you had no idea what was going on in the larger Marvel Universe, this would read as a generic one-shot where two versions of the Hulk fight each other before teaming up to fight a giant monster. I just had a terrible thought. What if that's all these generations things are? I'm, that's maybe. What if they're just these standalone right. bullshit one-shots? <laughs> yeah, it's just, again... This is Marvel missing the mark with their marketing. If that's what they wanted to do and just say, hey, look, here's a fun thing. Right. Kamala Khan meets the original 70s Ms. Marvel in yeah. her go-go pants. Sure. And her tiny cape. Great, fine. Uh, but that's not what they said. They said it was going to be like, yeah. hey, you guys, we hear you. We're just going to bring these two generations Well, they said together. they're going to, yeah, it's, it's going to change comics and, and shatter the internet. Yeah, right. And it's 40 pages of story and 30 of them, they just fucking fight. That's it. <laughs> like, nothing was resolved. I didn't feel anything. I wanted more than 30 pages of the Hulk smash and just a few of character development. My expectations might be unfair. Greg Pak's story is, is fine. I didn't hate it. And Matteo Buffani's art is beautiful. But I needed this event to be more than just fight scenes. Or at least just be something. Right. I'm giving it a skim it. Okay. TMNT, Dimension X, number one from IDW. It's 32 pages for $3.99. A lot of stuff and things have happened to the Turtles since the last time I checked in with them, but IDW's commitment to Eastman and Lurid's Heroes in a Half Shell remains solid. Krang has been arrested and is being tried for his crimes in Dimension X, but first, the Turtles have to round up some alien witnesses. Writer Paul Eller is pitch perfect with both his humor and maintaining the weight of the story here, but it's Pablo Tunica's art that is the real star. He has a style that's part Jose Ladron and part Mike Plute. He's oh, crazy win, win. good. I need to be reading TMNT on a monthly basis, and this new Dimension X mini only reinforces that statement. It was fun, it was ridiculous, I feel like and I'm, too I'm far giving gone. it buy it. I feel like I'm too far gone, but no. I just picked this up, and I had no idea what was going on, and it was right there. I wanted more. Buy it. I heard that the TMNT books have celebrated a milestone with like the most recent issue. They have now had more issues of this series than any other Turtles book ever in the past. Even the Archie ones? I felt like that was around forever. No, like 70, issue 73 is like, that makes it the longest running Turtles book ever. Well, good for them. They've all petered out before that. Great. Way to go, guys. Grumpy Cat Garfield, number one from Dynamite, 32 pages, three ninety nine. Here's to 76 issues of Grumpy Cat Garfield. Yes, please. Call him my shot. Milestone. <laughs> As Garfield grimaces and hates Mondays, he and Grumpy Cat are taken by a shady organization that wants to test their pet brainwashing technology. Yeah against the two surliest cats in the world. Steve Yui? Weeze? How would you say that? Steve, I don't know. Steve, Steve Y. Steve Uy. Steve Y is a very talented artist. <laughs> hey, no. We don't want to make fun of him. Like, he's a very talented artist, and he's been on the scene for a number of years now. Here, he's forced to draw Grumpy Cat and, and the surrounding characters around what literally seems to be a series of Garfield stock poses. Uh. Almost like they pasted in, like I believe he drew them, but it looked like Garfield clip art, like uh. classic Garfield 
faces and poses. And why now? Why? I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, are Grumpy Cat and Garfield experiencing some renaissance that I don't know about? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And yeah, so they're trying so hard to stay on model for the Garfield mega empire, I guess. Uh, uh, Steve is teamed with legendary Gru writer Mark Evanier, which again is baffling. Is it Evanier? Even Evanier, Evanier. I, I don't know. Evanier. I think you're getting you're going too French with him. <laughs> you never. You don't want to go out too French. <laughs> and they're producing work together that is technically a comic book. The whole effort, though, is just bizarre. And I, I can't really question that there must be an intended audience out there somewhere, right? Really. Is there? But, <laughs> but I'm giving the Grumpy Cat Garfield crossover a leave it because while I have to imagine the audience is out there somewhere, I'm so far away from it, their existence remains strictly hypothetical. Yeah, I need to know who this is for. <laughs> Ghost Station Zero, number one from Image. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Atomic Blonde writer Anthony Johnston gives readers a story about a Russian super spy that plans for every occasion even ones she couldn't possibly see coming, or conversations that take place completely out of earshot while she's underwater. Yep, she's just that good. Sherry Chankama's, Chankama? Sherry Chankama's art is solid, but there's almost no stakes here to pull me into the story. Our hero, Babushka, grown, is capable and tough as nails, but seems to have no problem with anything that comes her way, making the plot, or lack thereof, hard to care about. Sort of like uh, the first Taken, where Liam Neeson's like, well, got to go get my uh, daughter back, and just cuts a swath through everyone he meets with no issue whatsoever. And you're like, well, this guy's not in any danger, so it's really hard to care. (laughs) But it's fun to watch. Well, it was pretty to look at at times. The Adventures of Babushka was visually exciting, but not much else. Ghost Station Zero gets a low skimming. This is not the first codename Babushka story. I'm well aware. This is a new one. Uh, So maybe... A little context might help, but if you've never read it, why bother? You don't need any context. I mean, it's just like, she's a total badass. And like, oh, nice try. You blew up that bridge? Too bad. I had a sub in the water. Oh, you blew up my sub? No problem. I have a robot pterodactyl that's going to fly me away. It's just like, what the fuck? (laughs) Sorry you feel threatened by this strong female, man. Yeah, that's what, that was the problem. Galacticon, number one from Albatross Funny Books, 24 pages for $3.99. From Brendan Small, the man who brought you Death Clock and Metalocalypse comes a high-stakes intergalactic extreme rock comic. Here we follow Triton, intergalactic hero of the universe, who will face the ultimate outer space struggle, getting over his divorce. That's rough. But I know. Geez. In this issue, the galaxy's greatest hero drunkenly bumbles his way through his divorce hearing as his greatest enemy makes his move to escape prison. All the while, Triton tries to... <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing about what I'm about to say. All the while, Triton tries to stay one step ahead of the space paparazzi alongside his robotic sidekick, T1. And let me tell you a little something about T1. T1 is not his full name. Okay. His full name is T1T5 or T1TS. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so it looks like tits? <laughs> and when they kick into hyperdrive or light space or whatever you want to call it, they call it danger tits mode. <laughs> and so he's screaming... Danger tits, go! And it's just like, what the hell am I reading? <laughs> this was a darkly hilarious sci-fi comedy brought to life by Small, his co-writer Eric Powell, creator of The Goon, and the amazing art by Steve Mannion. Steve Mannion creates and draws these uh, kind of 
cheesecakey, tongue-in-cheek sci-fi fantasy comics called Fearless Dawn. Oh, yeah. They're great. They're gorgeous. They're, yeah, they're really good. And they're a ton of fun. Triton is a broken shell of a man, haunted by his womanizing tendencies and alcohol dependency. Now the galaxy is seeing him for who he truly is as he goes through this very high-profile breakup. This is, sounds great. Galacticon number one gets a buy it for any sci-fi fan out there looking for a laugh and maybe a good cry. Dead of Winter, number one from Oni Press, 32 pages, 399. Sex Castle, writer Kyle Stark. That's how you have to say Teams it. with artist Gabo to bring the hit tabletop zombie survival game with a dog as the main hero to comics. Yep. And of course, that yeah. dog wears a cape. It's impossible to talk about Dead of Winter without mentioning The Walking Dead. And while this zombie story has more humor, it lacks the gravity of the human condition in the face of the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, but the I, think Walking that's, Dead has. I think that's the point. Nah, but it's still kind of going for it. You know what I, I mean? I don't think it is. It totally was. I know it's not fair to judge all zombie comics by the pages of The Walking Dead, but it's also damn hard not to. Gabo, who shined on Oni's The Life After, is just as great on Arc here. But honestly, I have to wonder if we've hit and then passed the apex of zombie comics. I know nothing about the tabletop game this comic's based on, so maybe I need to hear from some fans. I don't know. Again, it's not fair for this comic to be judged on the merits of other zombie comics, but I can't help but look for that hook that convinces me I need to read this. And unfortunately, a dog with a cape is not enough. I'm giving us a skim. I have to disagree with you here. Uh, respectfully, as we always do. Uh, I Fuck th you. <laughs> I, I think that the humor is the point. Like, the dog, Rex, or whatever the guy is like a dog actor. He was like a yes, lassie kind was. of character. Yes. And yeah, he wears a cape and he rescues people. And he hates zombies. Yeah, and he fucking hates zombies. Yeah, I just... It was just It was just it funny. It just didn't get me. It yeah. didn't get me. I guess I, I went into it knowing it wasn't supposed to be like The Walking Dead. <laughs> Recalculate. That is your onomatopoeia of the week. And recalculate is the sound of the master of division brainwashing a pair of giant gumball towers and forcing them to attack the candy kingdom. As seen in the pages of Adventure Time, regular show number one. That's the kind of stakes I'm talking about. Right there, baby. Yeah. Who sent us that? It was from me. Oh. This bullshit onomatopoeia was brought to you by Joe Patrick. Why was it bullshit? But if you want to show off your hanging remainders, Look. share your onomatopoeia of the week with us on Facebook, Twitter, or send us an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Look, I appreciate the submissions, but they can't all come from Shirtless Bear Fighter. Fair enough. Sorry. All right. Yeah, come on, guys. That was last week. Yeah, go from this week's books. You can do this. No, look, I'm, I'm not bagging. I appreciate everything, but like, I saw it recalculate, and it was fun, and I took it. It's great. While it was Joe Patrick's birthday this week, it was also National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day yesterday. Uh, it was also National Watermelon Day, and I missed it. Nobody gives a shit about Watermelon Day. Oh, wait. My birthday was Thursday, not yesterday. Oh, yeah. What, yeah, whatever. You get it. So this week, we don't just celebrate the birth of one half of the two-headed nerd. We also find ourselves sitting in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, glassy-eyed and giggling after snacking on Marijuana Man's birthday cookie he had delivered for Joe. Such a sweet Man, guy. I remember Marijuana Man? Wow. Joe, though you might find yourself in the grip of a full-bodied high only edibles can provide, what do you say we share our must-read picks for next week? Well, Okay. Joe is face down right now doing that. Uh, you know, I would, I, would, I would do a little acting, but I really don't know anything about being high, so. Uh, hey, man. Uh, Mr. Miracle number one is my pick. Sorry, I don't know. You sounded constipated. <laughs> my pick for next week is Mr. Miracle number one from DC Comics, written by Tom King, with art by Mitch Gerrids. 
uh, gorgeous covers by Nick Tarrington. Yeah. 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit from the team behind the Sheriff of Babylon. Baby Lon. Baby Lion. Yeah. <laughs> and the Hugo Award-nominated writer of The Vision comes a unique new take on one of Jack Kirby's most beloved new gods. And they're right. I do love Mr. Miracle. Yeah. Scott Free is the greatest escape artist that ever lived. So great that he escaped Granny Goodness's gruesome orphanage and the dangers of apocalypse to travel across galaxies and set up a new life on Earth with his wife, the former female fury known as Big Barda, who I also love. I love Big Barda, too. Using the stage alter ego of Mr. Miracle, he has made a career for himself showing off his acrobatic escape techniques. He even caught the attention of the Justice League, which counted him among its ranks. Suck at the new 52. Yeah. <laughs> so he's back to Scott Free. This is old school. Yeah. The other Mr. Miracle was from Earth 2. Yeah. That was Shiloh Norman. Uh, yeah, I think so. Shiloh Norman. Yeah. You might say Scott Free has everything. So why isn't it enough? Mr. Miracle has mastered every illusion, achieved every stunt, pulled off every trick except one. He has never escaped death. And his mean squeeze could like, rip a car door off and I beat know. you to death with it. <laughs> is it even possible? That's our like a dream. You know? <laughs> our hero Baby, is- kill those guys. <laughs> <laughs> our hero is going to have to kill himself if he wants to find out. Whoa. I know. I was thrilled when they announced this yeah. a month or two ago. I can't wait to read it. I heard some people got advanced copies, other professionals, and they said it's amazing. I'm hoping it's more than a miniseries. I think, it's, I think it's 12 issues. Omega Man style. Yeah. Like they're just going to tell more. the story and be done. I'm hoping it's more. Matt, what's your pick? My pick for next week is Shadow. Not The Shadow. Just Shadow, number one, from Dynamite. It's written by Cy Spurrier with art by Daniel HDR. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Uh, 32 pages for $3.99. Here's a solicit. For the better part of a century, the shadow's sinister laughter brought the chill of fear to evildoers. But in our modern times, the streets of Manhattan have gone largely silent. But... He is not forgotten. Not by the people he saved. Mary Jerez, or Jerez, is one of those people. The shadow saved her from a horrifying school shooting. Mary knows all too well what evil lurks in the hearts of men. So when a horribly burnt man, incredibly strong and fierce despite his terrible injuries, arrives under her care as a resident at the hospital, she believes she knows who he is. Is this mysterious man actually the shadow? And with Mary's help, will evildoers again know what it means to fear his terrible laugh? Man, this sounds really, really cool. This is the kind of shit that Cy Spirier does. I really, really love him. And I love them bringing, like, pulp icon into modern day as opposed to during more stories in the past that, you know. Yeah, it's like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Uh, Daniel. Sounds awesome. Daniel Hodor? HDR. Hodor. Daniel Hodor. Hodor. Okay. The THN trade of the week. Hodor. Okay, all right. Spoilers. Spoilers. Hodor. Hodor. God, we're idiots. <laughs> the THN trade of the week goes to Pantheon, the true story of the Egyptian deities graphic novel from No Brow Press. Love those guys. Oh, yeah. It's by Hamish Steele. Love that name. What a great name. That's some old Jewish biblical stuff there. It's uh, 216 <laughs> pages for $22.95. Here's your solicit. What a steal. The most important myth in ancient <laughs> Egypt. <laughs> it is a steal. That's a great deal, okay? Faithfully retold in glorious color. Horus, son of Isis, vows bloody revenge on his uncle set for the murder and usurpation of his pharaoh father. Based on elements from various versions of the famous Osiris myth, Hamish Steele has resurrected this fantastic story in all of its symbolic and humorous glory. Suspicious salad. 
fighting hippos, flying cows, a boat race, resurrections, lots of scorpions, and a golden willy. Wow. Sounds like, golden something the, willy. sounds like something The Rock and Kevin Hart would be great at. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, we both picked this for drunk previews a couple months ago. Yeah, looks great. Uh, and No Brow was kind enough to send me a review copy. Awesome. So we'll talk about it. At some point. Well, let's read it, and we'll do a take a look in the book. Take a look, it's in a book for our friends over at Patreon. There you go. There you go. Now that you know our must-read picks for next week, we want to hear from you. Are you furious we didn't review the Helena Scythe crossover? I don't even know who Scythe is. Yeah, she doesn't wear a lot of clothes. That's all you need to know. What are we missing? What would you like to hear us cover? Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, the forums. Tell us what you think we should be reading. Damn it. Yes. Oh, ha, ha. Remember me, old chum? You jolly devil. Joe, these nerds have got to be good and sick of us at this point. Let's drop the ziggurat shields and let the whole internet join in the fun. It's time for our cover-to-cover segment where you nerds take control of the show. It's as easy as calling us at 402-819-4894 every Saturday from 11 a.m. to 12.30 Central Standard Time. You can talk about anything in the news. You can completely derail the show altogether, or you can answer the question of the week. Speaking of which, what is the question of the week this week, Joey? Well, Matt, this week's question came from Joe Binkus, a.k.a. Casual Comics Guy on the forums. Joe writes, okay, guys, I've been feeling too much love in the recent episodes. How about we go down a darker path? What's the absolute worst costume You've seen on a comic book character, whether it's just a straight-up terrible design, a dated concept, or just an outfit that is plain stupid. Worst costume on a comic book character. I love it. So there it is, nerds. You've heard the news so far. We're resetting Marvel's generations. What'd you think at the beginning of that? We have no idea what to make of it. A really bad Stephen King movie came out this week. Did you see it? We'd love to hear from you. Let's talk. Let's wrap about some nerd stuff. The phone lines are open. Actually, they're not yet. We got to do it this way. Joe. Open the phone lines! Is it crep? Yeah. It's Anthony presiding in Brooklyn. Let's go to our buddy Anthony, currently presiding in Brooklyn. He has an idea for the worst dressed heroes. It's a doozy. What's up, guys? It's Anthony. And in a previous episode, I had erroneously nominated Wonder Man as having the worst fashion sense. No way. And I still think his costumes have either been, like, either really ugly or just dumb. Uh, as nostalgia pieces, I get it. Like, they're, they're, you know, they're fun. But this costume, in addition to being ugly and dumb, doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> and uh, if I haven't solidified myself as the Legion guy, uh, I might today. Uh, the worst costume is Mike Grell's redesign of Cosmic Boy. Now, this costume is essentially black boots, black gloves, and a black bustier. Uh, here's a pro for the costume. Uh, he looks good in it. Like, <laughs> Cosmic Boy fills it out nicely. It's like Mike Grell presented yeah. it to him and was like, hey, man, this is what you're wearing. And oh. Cosmic Boy was like, oh, Lord. Shit, I need to work out. And he Visual did. Aid. Like, the moment that costume <laughs> oh, got put on my. him, he bulked up immeasurably. <laughs> and he looks good. Uh, but it is it is ugly to look at and doesn't make sense. So on the black boots and the black gloves, for whatever reason, on the cuffs are oh, wow. marshmallows. Like, I don't They're know not what those marshmallows. Are. They look like little marshmallows. 
and I don't know their function. Maybe they're delicious. I don't know. They're the little and metal le- clippy things. They're lunch. It's like a, an underwear bustier one piece thing that goes up just to his nipples. Oh my god! Right, this is and so leaves bad. the slice down the center exposed. So you can see his sweet abs, and you can still see <laughs> his pecs and his shoulders. Now, someone could make the argument that like it's meant to be titillating, right? <laughs> Uh, I say just put them in undies if that's what you want. Like just this bustier, like <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And I, I feel like I'm having that moment that people must have, like women must have when they look at female costumes and go, how, how is she holding that up? I'm having that moment with Cosmic Boy. How is he holding that up? Like there's nothing about this costume that screams Cosmic Boy. <laughs> no. Cosplay maybe, but no. not Cosmic Boy. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks. Crossdress Boy, maybe. <laughs> uh, hey, look. Nothing wrong with it. I'm not judging anyone who wants to cross-dress. That's fine. But this is a lady's costume <laughs> on a man. This is terrible. It's, it's bad. So, oh, my God. He uh, looks like a pervert. I always blamed... <laughs> Anthony, I always blamed Dave Cockrum for those terrible 70s God. redesigns. But, it, yeah, Mike Grell. Uh, boy, um, the entire 1970s era Legion of Superheroes is a fashion crime. Yeah. Fashion crime. If you search Mike Grell Cosmic Boy, the first thing that comes up is a Pinterest post, and it says Cosmic Boy. Okay. Now, how does he keep this costume on? Velcro? (laughs) Nipple tape. Uh, Yeah, it's all, the 70s Legion is all, like, uh, high collars, low, low, high collars, also low collars somehow. Yeah. Um, Extremely deep Vs. Boob windows, bell bottoms, pirate boots, and chains. That's the 70s Legion. Wow. It's bad news. Good God. And I love it. Man. I don't even care. I love it. He, I've never seen that. I mean. He looks (laughs) like a pervert. It's really, (laughs) it's like a space pervert. He, he looks like the sort of person that would be standing on a busy street corner yeah. in a metropolitan area, and your mom would take you across the street yeah. to avoid kids. Come on, walking in front of him. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, he looks definitely, definitely Whoa. looks like he's um, done bad things for money. Space pervert. Yeah. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover Caller. Who this? Matt, Joe, it's Ryan. What up, Ryan? How hey. you doing, brother? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? This is our lawyer, doing great, Mr. Ryan Forrest, a THN conciliatory. You say that word differently and incorrectly every time. (laughs) Consigliari. Yeah, consigliari. Conciliatory. I'll take whatever (laughs) nickname you want to give me. What do you want to rap about? Uh, I'm a little late to the the party, but I want to talk about Spider-Man Homecoming. Let's talk about it. Yeah, Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, I have a a theory, and I have a question for you. Okay. Who do you think bought Stark Tower? Ooh. They did say somebody bought Stark Tower. That's right. I totally forgot. Yeah. I have a theory. Hit me with your theory. Yeah, let's hear they're, it. <clears throat> they're laying the groundwork for the Fantastic Four. Oh, man. It's, I want you to be right so bad, Ryan. I want but you to be right, but I don't not. think so because they just, uh, Sony or Fox just announced they're dragging that franchise back out for another go with that yeah. Doctor Doom movie. Which we've all been clamoring for a Doctor Doom movie about the hacker from Eastern Europe with a sense they of humor. They didn't say it was going to be about the hacker. Oh, God, it better not be. <laughs> I yeah, would love it. They, they've said a lot of things. I would love. Uh, yeah, you're right. My, <laughs> I think the rationale is this: uh, Fox wants to make money like Marvel makes money on these movies. They realized they can't do it. They came to the same conclusion that Sony came to, and that was license it back to them. Yeah, yeah. Like 
if 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 Wouldn't Sony if Sony and Marvel could come to this agreement, there's no reason why Marvel couldn't come to this agreement with other people that own the rights to their properties. Yeah, true. We now have seen that it works and it exists. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. It also seems to be taking a crap on the whole rest of the spider universe that can't have any part of these movies, like the Black Cat movie and the uh, Venom movies that will have nothing to do with Spider-Man. Like, they won't even say his name. I don't even know. Like, <laughs> I... <laughs> We don't really understand all of the complexities of this agreement. And so the internet is nothing but speculation about, like, is Spider-Man Homecoming going to take place in the same universe as the Venom movie? There's a team of lawyers filing briefings on this right now. Like, so I don't even know. I don't, I don't know. I can't wrap my head around it, but I also don't care. Right. Because if, if a little bit of like brand confusion is the only thing I have to put up with yeah, to get whatever. a kick-ass Spider-Man or Fantastic Four movie set in the Marvel Universe. Well, there's also so much more at stake for Fantastic Four because they've been completely sidelined. They're completely sidelined. They are not even... They don't even have a comic book out at Marvel right now Yeah. while Marvel is saying, look, we're not going to support it until you play ball with us. So I think the first hint of you being possibly right would be if the Fantastic Four did show up in this generation's bullshit. And then, well, and they could they could do the same thing. Maybe it's the Baxter. They could do a Doctor Doom movie without the Fantastic Four in it, in the same way they do a Venom movie without Spider Man. Theoretically, I don't think it'll be any good. But they could do it. Dumbest idea I've ever heard. But yes, you're right. I mean, look, man. They've already they've already proven time and again that dumb ideas will not stop them. It's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. Those dummies <laughs> at Fox, they know exactly what we want. Yeah, Nate Aguilar says, turn the Doctor Doom movie into a Hacker's remake. Oh, God. Hack the planet. Like Doctor Doom on rollerblades <laughs> with his Nintendo Power Glove changing like streetlights from red to green. <laughs> oh, man. Well, man, Ryan, I hope you're right. I really do. I do too. Nothing would make me happier for that, for like in the next, like maybe not in Infinity War, right? But uh, down the line, Wave when three. all of this Wave cosmic three. bullshit is done, yeah, there we see a scene where they rechristen that building the Baxter Building. Oh man, that oh. would. Well, look, it, it, I I learned this from Dave Demarco a long time ago. Uh, they don't put lines in movies for no reason. No, you, so, you're right. You're right. absolutely right. That, that is, that's a very specific foreshadowing of something. Or they're going to go, Osborne bought it. You're like, uh. All right, Ryan, we got to let you go. We got somebody calling in. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover caller. Who it is? You're going to tell me with a good time, Joe. I'm going to give you a call. This is Ethan. It's Woo! Ethan. What up, Ethan? I called him out and he came. That's how we do it. We threaten and you call. What do you Happy want to rap about, Ethan? Birthday. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank uh, you. I, uh, I was looking through my shelf trying to find the worst costume I could think of. And just real quickly, do you guys remember a very small character in uh, Kingdom Come that was based off of Brian Azzarello? <laughs> yes. Um, well. Was he, um, <laughs> was he like 666 or whatever? And he had like sixes yeah. around his nipples? <laughs> he had two sixes around each nipple and, and then, then one on a his six face. on his face. His and name then was, he was wearing his name was six, six, six. and he had nipple piercings. Oh God. Yeah. He looked, based off of actually Brian Azzarello. Yes. <laughs> his face. Which totally makes sense because there was another character based off of Jill Thompson, a heart like a Joker 
like a jo- Joker's daughter kind of character. According to the DC database, six 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 is a violent vigilante who is described as a tattooed, self mutilated man machine of destruction that constantly fought Woo-hoo. with Magog's generation of superheroes. Sounds just like Brian Azarello to me. There you go. And yeah, he yeah. looks like a pervert. He's got sixes tattooed on his chest. He's got nipple rings. He's got sixes on his face. He, uh, yeah, he's this, Brian Azarello. The sixes around the nipples are the best. Yeah, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do remember that character, and he was just as ridiculous in 1996 as he is today. I remember get, buying that book on off the rack uh, at Mayhem Collectibles in Ames, Iowa, and going, what is this guy wearing? That is a bad <laughs> costume. But I think they were also just like making fun of all like the hardcore right, yeah. vigilante characters of the time, and yeah, they nailed it. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe Alex Ross is just like super into that, and he's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to push this character. He's going to be big. We've never hey, seen Alex Ross with his shirt off. That's exactly what I was going to say. Huh? <laughs> Maybe the exactly guy's a pervert. I, I don't know. Like, hey, you don't know what self-mutilated man machine of destruction. You don't know what he's <laughs> rocking under there. Yeah, who knows? And we're not judging. He's got big old sixes rocking the sixes. That's how he hangs. He likes uh, to highlight his nipples. Feel free, you know. Free country. I wanted to uh, give you guys some little strokeage. Oh, gross. Um, I think it's just cool that you guys have built such a cool community where everyone communicates so well and puts puts their two cents in. It really builds that. I love the podcast, and I think that you guys. Need to push the Patreon a little heavier. And if you're not going to, I'm going to because <laughs> all you fools need to go out. Give five bucks a month. It's not going to do it's nothing. you any harm. And the amount of content you guys give us, I think it's well worth it. Pump that up. Make these boys rich. There you go. It's one more. Thank you, Ethan. It's one less old English a month for you. Five bucks, you know? <laughs> really. You go, and one less 40 is better for everybody. Let's be honest. Ethan, speaking of that, we just mentioned in the regular show, we're going to be doing a take a look. It's in a book where we are going to discuss, what is the name of the trade? Pantheon. Pantheon. It uh, looks at the old Egyptian mythos and uh, sort of updates them a little bit. We're super excited to read it. Kind of comedy. That will be Patreon exclusive. And those of you who used to listen to the old show may remember that segment. Thanks for bringing that up, brother. Yeah, of course. I think uh, it's important to do that for things that we uh, especially get so much uh, personal interaction on. So thank you for that. And then I heard you talk about uh, the royalty-free music. I'll I'll, uh, send you guys an email, but my band, the Nixon Rodeo, has few albums out i'd be happy to let you guys use it whenever you want hit us send us some stuff that's awesome thank you brother jesus yeah for sure all right guys well enjoy your weekend enjoy the last bit of milking that birthday thanks buddy (laughs) really appreciate it all right have a good one all right what a swell guy uh your wife is watching the video and she just said unsubscribe she's not she's not down with it (sighs) she always acts like this we're not everybody's cup of tea yeah you know just like the asteroid in Armageddon, she's a cold, unwielding bitch from which there is no escape. <laughs> I got emotionally involved in Armageddon last night. I don't know. How I saw happened. that it was on. I did. <laughs> Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? It's Sean X, Morning Nerd. Hey, what up, Sean? What's up, buddy? You're becoming a regular Saturday morning thing. I love it. Well, hey, hey, you gotta have your pre-nooner, I guess. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to rap about, you pervert? <laughs> hey, well, hey, happy birthday, Joe. Thanks, buddy. I, I don't understand. I don't get it. I, I didn't think we, you were in that age bracket of the week-long birthday, but... Yeah, you well, know, whatever. it's... Uh, 
Joe is a self-styled millennial. He's he doesn't actually belong I, I, there, but I know. just gotta I have to get my affection where I can, Sean. <laughs> just gotta oh, milk come it. On. You should have been to his quinceañera. Oh, it was ridiculous. On. Oh my god, <laughs> that's funny. Um, I wanted to rap about a book I read this week that gave me all the good feels. But I, first, I have to say, Jim Lee's Jean Grey costume worse. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, it's bad. That costume made no sense. It's it didn't. Bad. It mean nothing. Like nothing. Like nothing. I I even got past the 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 you know the leather jacket on Rogue. I got past that. But because she used to wear a jacket, you know, back in her punk days. Sure. But that Jean Grey thing that was so bizarre. Now you're talking anyway. about the. Are you talking about like the late '90s one with like the headband? Yes. And, like, the... the and like, like in the hip pack, yeah. Or like not the yeah. hip pack, but she like had those, this like padding those, on her thighs for yeah. no reason. It was like they weren't even pouches; they were just like right, like um, like uh, like bumper pool padding sort of <laughs> down right. the sides of her legs. Like when a running back is coming back from injury, and they give him like the extra pads yeah, on his right. hips, exactly. And like a basketball exactly. player gets a face injury, and they put that stupid mask on and over, like, over their forehead, you know, like pointy shoulder yeah. pads. Yeah, she had like boxing sparring like gear on her head. Thank God it didn't have like the Shatterstar treatment, but Whoa. yeah, where it actually there. looked yeah. like a where it was just thing. straight up puffy head thing that obstructed yeah, your view. It, it was, it, <laughs> it, yeah, it was definitely still there. I mean, I, I think maybe the Phoenix is like Achilles heel is her hip dysplasia or something. Maybe <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Yeah. She's like an aging I, Shih Tzu. I <laughs> Right, right. I don't. I maybe they were like Professor X saw it, so she was just it was some premeditative. Like I don't know. Sure. Anyway, what's the book that you're talking about? So what reading, gave you all the feels? So I'm reading because I'm like way behind my books, but I'm reading uh, the Visitor: How and Why He Stayed. It's a BPRD Hellboy yes. kind of title yes. in Dark Horse. Paul Grist. Yes. So the good. whole time I'm reading this, I'm enjoying the time because it. It's kind of chronicle, chronicalizing Hellboy through the eyes of this visitor. And the final like page and like the reveal of the story, which they showed me like right off the bat, but I didn't remember it. But then they show this panel work that goes back to, I think it was Seed of Destruction. I always get those mixed up. Seed of Destruction or Conqueror Arm or War of the Four, you know, one of those. Right, right, right. But it was, but I know Roger was still alive. Yeah. So I think it was Seed of Destruction. That, well, and Roger wasn't around in Seed of Destruction. Seed of Destruction was the very first one. Yeah, so Roger maybe, showed up after that. Maybe one of the later ones, like Conqueror Worm. Yeah, Conqueror maybe. Worm is when we first met Roger. Maybe. I, anyway, well, I was reading that book, and it, the same panels are in the panels in this book. And I just immediately remembered it and was like, how did I not see that these characters, it was amazing. They told a story within an old story, which they never, ah, it blew my mind. You know it what? It really blew my mind. You're right. It's excellent. And it's exactly what I wish Marvel would have done with Cable after Cable fought oh. Apocalypse and should have died. That's exactly what they should be doing with him. Rather than having him travel through time to all these places that don't mean a goddamn thing. Oh, yeah. I would love to see Cable traveling from old X event to old X event and secretly like moving things into place and helping history. Oh yeah. I mean, that's well, even, exactly what even they should have done. Even Avengers for that matter. Yeah. I mean, all over the Marvel universe, screw it. Like just him jumping back in time and either witnessing and making sure certain things happening or changing things and making sure that certain things don't Kinda happen. Kind of like quantum leap. Yes. 
That's exactly yeah. what they should be doing with cable. It's so wasted. And like this no, new just, cable book no. is fine. It's not bad. It's fine. Uh, it's each fine. each I issue agree. takes about 60 seconds to yeah. read because there's no dialogue. And it's not selling, and <laughs> I guarantee it's canceled in less than a year. James Robinson's already off the book. Yeah. When they when they do Legacy, it's a different, it's Ed Brisson. It's such so. a waste. Please. I wish, yeah. That, yeah, I love that visitor book so much because it's doing exactly what it should and sort of like recapping Hellboy for a whole generation of people that may have missed out on a lot of it. It's awesome. Yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was a great, great read. Well, even I, I picked up on a whim that uh, Jean Grey was the unworthy Thor. That was a fun read by itself. Fun. Yeah. Totally fun. Yeah. Totally fun. That's all it was. It was really fun. And I kind of missed those books in Marvel. Yeah. Like just really fun and kind of just don't really go anywhere. Right. It's now fun. it's right. Now like it's that. either not fun or pointless. <laughs> yeah. I, right. I would maybe, maybe have cable jump back in time to Avengers hundred thousand BC or whatever that crap is. And That'd just be like awesome. point and laugh. That and then like awesome. body slide out. Yeah. You know, and then that's the book. <laughs> Wait, yeah. That's Look, the book. Ghost Rider riding a giant flaming woolly mammoth is fucking <laughs> I'm in. awesome. I'm Come on. In. And the Black Panther is like literally wearing a panther head. Like, oh man, that's cool. Sean, <laughs> uh, thanks for your call, buddy. It's always good to hear oh, from yeah. you. Oh yeah, I love the I love the way this this works. It's easy for me. I miss the MP3s, but this is better, man. There you go. Yeah, we get to talk to your pretty face in yeah. person. Huh? Well, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good day. Bye, Sean. Right. Thank you for calling. THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? Hey, it's Jason Sachs. Jason, hello. You are on the air with one half of the two-headed nerd. Matt literally had to leave the room to go move his car, but he'll be right back. Uh, uh-huh. He knew. I, yeah, he somehow knew I was calling. I know what happened. Yeah, he, he plopped his laptop in front of me and he said, okay, answer the phone if anybody calls. Uh, how are you today? Are you? Did you hike? No, so we have a appliance delivery coming sometime this morning, and I have to go to the Fanographic garage sale today. Oh, fun! Where I can buy lots of cool Fanographic books for like a buck a piece. So, yeah. uh, you know, priorities. Yes, comics over hiking. Definitely, definitely. So, is it like uh, backstock stuff that they like previously published works? That yeah, just... apparently it's like deep inventory kind of stuff, which is the kind of thing I go crazy for because like. I just love their old books. I just, uh, maybe I could find some old comics journals or some amazing heroes or just some old weird uh, uh, books they publish. Like I love it when I pick up a book and I have no idea what it is, but it's like a dollar or two from them. It's like usually at least interesting. So it's like, you know, totally worth it. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, we live in Omaha where um, nothing happens. Oh no, nothing cool like that happens. Hold on. We got a ringer. Jason Sachs. I'm back. I'm sorry, brother. I had to move my car. My mean old wife was yelling right. at me. He was accusing you of bailing because you knew he was calling. No, stop it. I'm just upset he's better looking. Than I, <laughs> and I said, yeah, of course, that's exactly what he did. He just makes me look bad with his better good looking. looks and his hair and uh, his aging so well. <laughs> uh, like I was... Yeah, you must be thinking of someone else. <laughs> oh, stop it, Jason. Uh, like Jason was just <laughs> telling us, he's going to the Fanographics publishing garage sale today. Awesome. Uh, where they like blow out their back inventory for nothing. Oh. And I was telling him that we live in Omaha where n- nobody cool lives and nothing cool ever happens. Oh man. Which isn't so, exactly like, true. Got, but go they on. Have, they have this every year. Last year I picked up a bunch of R crumb sketchbooks for five bucks a piece or like $40 hardcovers. Cool. Stuff like that. That is so cool. That's very neat. If there's any cool Jim Woodring stuff, let me know. I'll totally buy it and pay okay. shipping. 
I love Jim okay. Woodring. Love him. I have like two or three friends hit me up already on Facebook. Like, can you pick me up some stuff? <laughs> well, you live in the coolest comic read... book city in the world, Portland, Oregon. So, no, you live in Seattle, don't you, Jason? I'm in Seattle. Yeah. yeah. So, mm. no, we're we're way down the list from Portland. Cat nerds way in cooler Portland, we are. right? That's right. Portland is cooler, yeah. but uh, Seattle is more beautiful and has more cool shit. Just throw well, that we're wealthier because we have Amazon basically taking all the all the Amazon people are moving in and driving yes. up housing prices. So we're forcing everyone to move to Portland, which means Portland's prices are going up too. So it's a it's a kind of a vicious cycle. It's a whole thing. Oh, it's the American anyway. dream. Yep, Jeff Bezos is People's <laughs> Republic of Seattle. Yes. <laughs> So, you know who has the worst costume in comics? Who? Please. Traditionally? Who? Wonder Woman. Huh. Interesting. Now, she looks great in the movie. Yes. And, like, since the, re- since the redesigns, especially, like, the first New 52 outfit, right. it's cool. But before that, think about this. She's wearing a one-piece swimsuit with no shoulder straps and tiara and boots. Yeah. Like, what's heroic about that? It's, and bare legs. It's like, yeah. it's like, well, it literally is some guy's sexual fantasy of what his perfect woman looks like. No, absolutely. I mean, she was sort of created with that, like, pulpy jungle damsel in distress sort of, like, swimsuit look, right? But she was mm-hmm. anything but, you know? Like, he still wanted her to be sexy for the time, but also empowered. Her uniform is ridiculous. It's stupid. It's not something a woman goes and fights crime in. I mean... And I would take it further. There's nothing that even speaks anything to ancient Greece or Greek mythology (laughs) about it. Nothing. Well, I think at the beginning, didn't she have like those like strappy Hercules sandals? (laughs) No, I think that was later. Maybe that was like the closest thing you could call it. That was later. Or maybe that was was part of like the Darwin Cook kind of version of it. Um, But yeah... Basically, when the original crew uh, moved on from the project, mm-hmm. when uh, William Moulton Marston passed away, then like when Ross Andrew Mike Esposito started drawing the book in the 40s and 50s, that's when she, she was dressed a little more Greek. Yeah. And they kind of emphasized like the blackness of her hair and gave her more like aquiline nose and stuff. But before that, no, she was literally um, the creator's sexual fantasy of this perfect woman. And, you know, it was just like this, this bizarre sexual fetish creature. Yeah. She was dressed um, like Liberty Bell. Speak- Speaking of which, and then like all through the the seventies, you know, even into the George Perez era, he drew it beautifully, but she still had this stupid costume. And then John Byrne took over that book in the early uh, in the nineteen nineties. You remember that crazy costume he had her in then? Oh, okay. yeah, leather straps with the biker shorts oh, and all this. Yeah. Stuff. Oh, that was Mike Diodato. Mike yeah. Diodato came up with that. Yeah, uh, that's right. Diodato. Uh, William okay. Messner Loeb's yeah. and Mike Diodato are responsible for that. Horrible travesty. Um, yeah, a biker jacket and a bra, basically, was yeah. her costume. <laughs> um, well, she, yeah. come on. She's an Amazon. Sure, right. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I, I guess, obviously, yes, I agree that her original costume is very silly, but I guess I never really thought of it in those terms because by the time, like, we came around, it was already so iconic. Right. Well, and also mellowed out a lot. I mean, like, she wasn't wearing, like, you know, six-inch high, you know, the, like, rises on her boots I mean, it was pretty shit. tame in the, in the yeah. 70s and 80s, but... Yeah. Um, but, yeah. like, Until Jason... Until came along. Right, yes. <laughs> yeah, right, and then it, become, like, it became, like, those high-cut, like, super high-cut 90s yeah. briefs, and, and John Byrne did that shit, too. Good God. Um, yeah, I... You're right, and I do... I love the current design, the, the kind of movie... 
uh, based design where it's more like armor. Right. She uh, looks like Greek sword. And she looks like a warrior. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Wonder Woman. I never would have pegged it, but yeah, you're totally bad. right. It's bad. <laughs> it was really bad. And again, it's what a dude thought a woman should be wearing when she fights. Jason, thank you for your call. It's always good to hear from you. Buy us cool shit yeah, from the garage guys, sale. But I got a chance to chat with you guys today. All right. Talk to you later, brother. Thanks for calling, buddy. Thank you for calling. THN, cover to cover, a caller. Who this? Hey, this is Zach Hollowell. How you boys doing? Doing well, Zach. How are you, brother? You sound especially right. chipper well, today. Yeah. Listen to you. Well, you know, you know, I'm feeling good. All right. It's Saturday. You're feeling strong. Good. What do you want to rap yeah, about? So I wasn't, well, I wasn't able to get in last week on my own damn question. So Fame's a bitch. Um, it's okay that I didn't call because it was Dungeons and Dragons and like five people said that. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That so was the big it, answer. You didn't miss week. much. Okay. Fair right. enough. But um, I, got, I got a question that I'll just pose directly to you guys. Okay. Um, so what is a property that you were like super excited for? Like you thought, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. And as much as you wanted it to, just sucked. And I'll give you my example. First, first don't say Iron Fist because we, we just know. Right. Um, last night, me and my wife were super excited because we're out of TV shows. We sat down on Netflix and started watching the new Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, not funny. Is it bad? Oh, it's 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 flat out bad. Really? Casey's four episodes I mean, in. I caught her once, watching once, without me, and I got super once mad. Gene gets in, it it gets okay because Gene wins it. But other than that, no, not funny. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I was a little concerned. Casey was like, eh, "It's fine," and that worried me because I really loved it. Like the last one was great. Yeah, the first yeah, day. Yeah, camp. yeah, That one was great. Yeah, Michelle, my wife Michelle has been watching it, and uh, I haven't asked her how it was, but I haven't uh, tuned in yet. Property, property no. that sucked. You know what? I, okay, here's where I'm gonna go with this. I was super excited for Injustice, the video game, to come to Xbox because like, cool, fighting game with all my favorite DC heroes. I did not know that they were gonna cram. The worst story you could possibly think of into the plot to make the heroes fight. And that is that Batman and Superman both wanted to have sex with Wonder Woman, essentially. That's what it comes down to. I thought it was more. No, 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 no. Yes. That was a major part of it. And it was stupid. But that's not the whole plot. (laughs) Stupid. I thought it was like Superman goes crazy because Lois gets killed or something. It was like a very Kingdom Come-esque. That was in there too. Yeah. It was just Joker kills pregnant Lois. Yeah. It was so forced and dumb. And And then he like detonates uh, an atomic bomb in Metropolis or something too, doesn't he? And I'm sorry, but there are certain characters that you just can't square off with and they win. No. There's not a time where Catwoman shows up and just beats the crap out of Superman. Sorry. Matt, it's a fighting game. You gotta let go of a little bit. I think they wrote in some kind of thing where there was like a drug that they could take that would make them on par with Superman for a short period of time or something dumb, in the comic, I think. Dumb. Yeah, it's totally dumb. But Injustice 2 continues the dumb storyline, but yes. when you get to just the fighting game part of it, it's brilliant. The fighting game is not bad. No, the fighting game is not bad. I just wish they would stop. Just stop with this dumb story. Just give me a fighting game. I, you pick a DC hero and fight. Well, like back in the you, day. That's why you like, go through the storyline real quick and then you don't ever play the storyline again. Ugh. Like Mortal Kombat. When I it first came out, appre- just I like, appreciate these the guys are going to kill each other. No, Go. Mortal Kombat had a story. Yeah, it was but the, it was like, like the ancient millennial yeah. tournament. But they were just like, yeah. it was gathered these dudes and they're fighting, you know? <laughs> yeah. Did you just say ancient millennial? <laughs> well, I meant millennial like every thousand years, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> ancient millennials. <laughs> Joe Patrick, do you have one? 
Oh man, uh, I'm a little bit caught off guard by this question. Um, I'd say most recently, uh, the Castlevania Netflix show. I was super excited for, it and it wasn't. It didn't grab me as much as I wanted it to. Dude, I think you're just wrong. I loved it. Yeah, I know. I like. Maybe I need to rewatch it. It's only I four really episodes. I really loved it. But I will. I will give you a, a flipped, a reversed example uh, of a property that I was not excited for that ended up being totally kick ass, and that is the Voltron remake. Yeah. Uh, the that Voltron Legendary Defender caught me way off guard. That cartoon was yeah, fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah, that was really good. But uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't want to make it all about Netflix, but that's where we where we ended up. One I'm preemptively worried about: Star Trek. This new Star Trek series. I'm I'm worried. I am worried. I really need this to be good. Like, I really want it to be good. I really, I need it to be good. And that's a bad sign. I hate going into stuff like that where it's like my fists are clenched and it's like, don't fuck this up. Don't. Okay. <laughs> it, it really depends on how many people get their fingers in the pie. Exactly. You know, how many people they get involved. The more people you get involved, they've proven the worse that shit wins the thing. Yes. So the other thing I want to talk about very quickly, I want to give myself a nerd pat on the back. You guys know I build stuff occasionally, right? Yeah. 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 Here, here's my new project. I'm building a fucking pinball machine. What? Awesome. No shit. I'm building a digital pinball machine where it's got two screens and one screen is the play field and the other is the back glass. And when you change games, the back glass changes. What? It's awesome. Wow. How does that even work? I'll yeah, take two. flippers and everything. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, once I get this one built and I know what I'm doing, pay me and I'll build you one. That sounds awesome. I want one. Zach, we're getting another yeah. call. Thank you for your call. Always going to talk to you, brother. I'm hanging up on you. See you, Zach. Be good, boys. Bye. Thank you for calling THN. Cover to cover. Caller, who this? Hey, guys, it's D. Oh, D. <laughs> you were so high-pitched. I didn't even recognize you. are like, hey, guys. <laughs> What's up, D? What's going was, on, I was, brother? I was deep last week, so I figured I'd go high pitch this week. That was good. There you go, yeah. It was good. What do you want to rap about? Fifth week. You keep talking about fifth week, Max. Right? Fifth right. week, yes. Bring it up. I love fifth weeks. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but they're <laughs> almost <laughs> always bad. Yes, but I love them. I love the concept, <laughs> as I should say. Um, if we had a fifth week during the rebirth and the new, 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 New Marvel Now world, maybe Image and Dark Horse also. What would you want? One of your favorite stories that you're reading right now. What What would that story be? A part of a fifth week event. I don't want it to fix you have something. Have anything on top of your head? I would want it to fix something. So yeah. I ha- I have this I have this ready. I would love right. DC to do a fifth week event that explained the current history of the DC universe. I want to know definitively. I like that. The history of the wow. DC universe mapped and, out, and I'm not saying like, like if that means that they've been, that they're keeping some new 52 stuff, that they're reverting some old stuff back. I want to know what happened, what didn't. So like a, a a five part or a series of five one shots, you know, or however many one shots, each covering a different major group. So like one for the Superman family, yeah. one for Flash, one yeah. for Batman, one for Wonder Woman. Uh, and I want a giant fold out timeline in the back like of each zero one. hour, like the last zero issue of zero yes. hour where with all the dates and like spikes, like this happened here, this happened, this happened. And then like question mark. Oh, what's yeah, that? Right. Oh, I don't know. Uh, so <laughs> yes. Uh, so zero hour did that. So, and then, um, after crisis on infinite earths, there was a four issue prestige format text, illustrated text 
series called The History of the DC Universe. Yeah. And it's basically, here's what and happened. And it was literally like Marv Wolfman writing down, like, here's everything that still counts. And then il- beautiful illustrations by George Perez. This is my answer, too. I'm, I'm going with the I same like, answer. It's like the jockey and nerd glasses that you guys are saying. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Come back. What? I feel like you guys are adjusting your nerd glasses while you're saying this. You yes. Oh, yeah. Big yes. time. Big time. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I would I would love there to just be a fifth-week event and just to just to get it out there for the record. Right. And I'm not even saying I need it to, to cater to all of my own, you know, nerd wishes no, about but, the DC Universe. But just tell us. Just tell me. Just yeah. rip off the bandit and tell me, yes, um... Barry Allen and Iris West were still married. Right. Or or they weren't. Or yes, uh Superboy showed up with his fade cut and his strappy right. belt pants. Or no Wally West twins never existed. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, I like give uh, show me what happened in the lives of these characters and yeah. these families of characters, these teams. Give me the give me a history of the Justice League that makes one lick of goddamn sense. Yes. Because you've got Great. some books still clinging to the new fifty two cyborg as a founding like member, cool. right? You know, and then yeah. you've got some books looking back and and um, like Flash had a time travel thing where they were looking back and and seeing the the classic history. Yeah, Mister Miracle is going to come out next week, and they just addressed in the solicit that Mister Miracle used to be in the Justice League. When was that? Right. When the hell did that happen? And not to mention the fact oh, that this would just be useful from an editorial perspective. How many Robins have there been? Yeah. Let's start there. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, D. We lost you. Say that again. It was Stephanie a Robin, or wasn't she a Robin? Exactly right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I can't like, answer that. Any any sort of official history from DC that says Tim Drake was never actually called Robin, yeah, uh, can die in a fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rocks, man, cake rocks. Exactly. My wife is giving me the finger right now. I should probably. Oh, you, guys. you probably right, should. D- and somebody's calling in, so we're gonna hang up on you. But thank you Thanks for your for call, calling, brother. D. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? Yo, what's up? It's Catnerd. Yo, yeah, Catnerd! You did it. How are you, brother? <laughs> I'm doing good, guys. I'm calling from uh, what, what were you saying? Uh, Portland, Oregon, the, the coolest comic book city in the world. The coolest comic book city in the world. Yes. Home of Quimby's. I don't know. It doesn't feel so cool right now because it was literally like 105 degrees the other day. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, okay. Here's the weird thing. It's like 64 degrees in Omaha right now, and everybody's walking around looking at each other like we're cheating on summer, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. what's going on here? Well, and it's, and it's been 100 every day. Yeah. I mean, and normally suddenly, it's like yeah. Vietnam hot here, and we're all just disgusting. <laughs> it's like New Orleans without any of the jazz or good food, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was I was into it. I'm I'm like an East Coast kid, so I'm like, oh, it's like a real summer. But people, people locals were not having it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I bet they died. <laughs> like 104. <laughs> you people don't have weather out there. You get this cute little mist, and that's about it. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you want totally. to rap about, Jimmy? Um, I want to answer the question of the week because it's been a fucking while. Um, so so this isn't the worst comic book costume ever that I can think of. It's, it's the costume that bugs the shit out of me. Okay. It's the one that annoys me the most. It's most wrong. And that is the current iterations of the Flash. 
Okay. Yes. Those costumes are fucking gross. They make me mad because the flash is so simple and and sort of like, you know, everything we got from Carmen and Tino through to the new 52 were just like, it's like, yeah, like don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's yeah, like, absolutely. You got a streamlined, clean, clean line costume. Whoa, Jimmy, are you there, dude? We uh, lost you, Jim. I lost him, but he's not wrong. Yeah. He's it, not wrong at all. I the, 100% agree. And I'm glad that he said it because I was having a hard time choosing between the flash and what will now be my answer. Um, it's, it's so it's so weird how just the addition of a bunch of unnecessarily unnecessary squiggles yeah can ruin what was the perfect design. Oh 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 oh! I think we got him back. Hold on. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover Caller. Who this? Nobody. They hung up. Shoot, sons of bitches. Yeah, you were saying. Sorry, Jim. But yep. <laughs> okay. Here he is. Here he is. Jim, is that you? It's me. Did okay. my nerd rage break the internet? No. <laughs> yeah, yes. I don't know. You got so mad you broke the you, internet. You drove into a boom tube and we lost you. <laughs> we were talking about the Flash and the lines um, on his costume. We were talking about the Flash. The lines of the costume were so bad, and I was about to say that it can't get worse than the Ezra Miller V costume that they, oh. that they are showing in the Justice League trailer. Horrible. Just, what are all of those, like, cords on it? Like, oh, it's just so ugly. Horrible. And so it can... To me, that's way worse than like a costume like the Ben Riley Scarlet Spider costume, which is just dumb. Yeah. It's taking a good costume and ruining it. Yeah, that's, right. I agree. So, Scarlet Spider, not one of the worst costumes ever. Just a dumb one. It's just dumb. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's silly. There's other, like when we were talking worst, we're talking like things that are functionally stupid that do not make mm-hmm. sense. And here's the only way I'm going to forgive that Flash costume is if this is like, well, this is your first experimental run on proto, this Flash. Proto yeah, Flash. Proto Flash costume. Uh, if they try it, and sell like me on spidey, that shit. It's like the Spidey hoodie. It's yeah, not going to be. Mm. Yeah, it's probably not going to be though. No. I mean, the same with Cyborg. Cyborg in that movie looks terrible. Like his face, his human parts look like the fake parts, you know? <laughs> yeah. it's like, but at least he's still... How the fuck well, did you people do that? <laughs> but at least he's still kind of recognizable as Cyborg. Like, I get it. It's just a bad design. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Flash yes. the Flash movie design is just... Reprehensible. So, it's so off the mark. It's like, hey, costume designer, here is a stack of Flash comic books. Right. And uh, they they built a costume out of literally out of Flash comic books. Like yeah. they destroyed the paper. <laughs> yeah. They turned it into paper mache and said, "Okay, great, I got it." Right. And then built something completely different. It, it's sad because the old '80s Flash TV show has a better costume than this Justice yeah. League movie. Oh, oh yeah, totally. with the sculpted abs. Yeah. yeah. Right. Any day of the week. Any day of the week, it's better. Totally. Ugh. Yeah. And. The TV you know, costume is better. The TV costume didn't mess with it too much. The you know TV costume I mean? like, is head and shoulders and better. I will tell you that I I wasn't 100% thrilled with the TV costume when it started because it had the red circle. Yeah, right. And it was like very leathery. Yeah. But just like with all of the CWDC shows, they recognize what doesn't work and they keep fixing it. Yes. And each new yeah. season, there's something different about the Flash costume. That makes it better. Like they added the white circle. Right. In the new season, they're adding like the yellow lightning bolts on the wrists and yeah. on the belt and stuff. Yeah. Like they're they're yeah, doing they that, it. La- yeah. Last season when when Barry went to the future, we, you basically saw like the future version of 
Barry's costume and it's way more comic booky. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, they're just getting it closer to the the best version. <laughs> it was like exactly. you know, Carmen Infantino in like 1960. Right. You know? Right. Like I think so. uh, there was a and we all we all can attest that this is a definitive source for all comic book opinion and journalism. But Oh, sure. Certainly. Some years ago <laughs> there was a Wizard magazine <laughs> Uh, yes. There was a Wizard Magazine article, and I don't know if they polled people or what, but it was like the they didn't poll anyone. I don't know. They I don't remember. Fucking made it up. But like it was like the fi- the fifty best comic book costumes, and number one and number two were Spider Man and the Flash. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. And like, it's 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 rare that a, a creator comes up with a design that's so perfect right from the jump right. that any addition mm-hmm. or subtraction just makes it suffer. Yeah. yeah. And Jim Lee or whoever yeah, the hell I, was responsible could not resist putting their damn squiggles on it. Yeah. Making it look like right. he's an insect or something that crawled yeah. out of the ocean. It makes me mad. Yeah. yeah I agree. Ugh, man, it's too bad. <laughs> it is too bad. Jimmy, it, thank you for your call, brother. Yeah, it's yeah. Always good to hear you're, from you're you. You're welcome. It's- yeah, I'll try to make it a regular. I'll try to. I'll try to earn my regular status back again. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, I missed. The, <laughs> I missed the question of the week, and and hey, like I want to hear your guys' answers for the question of the week too. Oh, I totally. Like, I've got yeah. one. Totally. Um, we'll do it. We have answers. Awesome. All right, All brother. Right. We'll awesome talk to you soon. See you, Jim. Yep. Bye. I hadn't even thought about the Flash, but he's so right. He's so right. And it's yeah. just like the small, like I mean, the, the Superman was the same thing when they did the New Fifty Two Superman. There was no reason to design that costume like that. Yeah. No reason. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who it is? Hey, Joe, Matt. This is Kyle. Kyle. What's up, Kyle? What's up, brother? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you always doing? Oh, you know, we're hanging in. It's a a rainy Saturday. It's pretty cool here in Omaha today. We wouldn't go outside anyway, though. Yeah, right. We're staying in the cave (laughs) kind of guys, you know. What do you want to rap about? I was just uh, calling for a little bit of uh, advice in the comic pusher segment. Yeah, let's do it. So I'm, yeah, I'm still fairly new to comics, and uh, recently I started picking up a lot of Jeff Lemire stuff, mm-hmm. and I've been really falling in love with with him and his work and his stuff. So it started with um, I was reading the the new AD After Death with from Image. Very good stuff. Really loved it. Really loved the art style. Went back and read. Essex County read his new book, uh, Roughneck. Um, oh man, Essex County. I've, it's a know, hard, right? It's a and, gut punch. And, uh, yeah. And so I've just been really falling in love with with him, his art style. Um, I've been reading Descender for a while, but you know he doesn't do the art on that. But I still like that story. I kind of go in waves where I really like an art, uh, uh, an author, and an artist for a while, and then like I switch over to somebody else like brand new to me again. And then I go and And so like before it was Greg Rucka. Sure. And now it's Jeff Lemire. And so, um, anything like that kind of style, I really like how he develops the characters. I like this like hometowny feel, uh, Kyle, have you, you know, read sweet uh, tooth? I'm in the middle of sweet tooth now. Okay. I was going to say shame on you. Yeah. If you have not, because that's where yep. I first met Jeff Lemire and Oh my God, that book will tear your heart out. It is so wonderful. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, mm-hmm. I will also, spoiler alert, happy ending. 
It's got a happy okay, ending. Good. That's good. Which was like, if it wouldn't have had a happy ending, I probably would still be crying. <laughs> it was such a great book. Yeah, Sweet Tooth is great. Yeah. Uh, there's an there's another series uh, that's going right now that he does not draw, but uh, it's drawn by Dean Ormston, and we rave about it constantly on the show. It's called Black Hammer. Black Hammer is wonderful, and they're only on issue eleven. Yeah. So you could easily yep. get caught up with Black Hammer. It's so wonderful. It's fantastic. Now, off the subject of Jeff Lemire is his writing partner and buddy, Matt Kent, who has a very similar type of uh, narrative and also a very interesting art sense, like really weird yeah. kind of painted loose art. He has a book called Mind Management, Mind MGMT, a dark horse. You need to read it. It is conspiracy within conspiracy within conspiracy. Yeah, it's like a secret organization oh full of people with God. different kind of mental powers. It is incredible. And it's the kind of thing, like, I'm sure it's being optioned right now because it's just so fun and weird and great and real world. It's not like mm -hmm. th these people have, like, telepathic abilities, but they're not like Marvel or DC telepaths. They have mild abilities, and this group is trying to figure out how to harness it and make these people into weapons, like remote viewers and stuff like that. Oh, my God. It is wonderful. And if you like Lemire, you would love Matt Kent. I would also say pick up anything Kent and Lemire are doing in Valiant because it's all great. And they're doing it in a different style. It's very superhero, traditional superhero storytelling, uh -huh. but with their keen sense behind it, if you know what I mean. Like they yeah, bring like, something extra yeah. to the table. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt Kent. I really like the... This Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say. No, I was just going to say. <laughs> you go ahead, Kyle. You're both fired. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, I, I really like the small town feel like of Essex County and uh, and his uh, book Roughneck and really that, that small. And that's why I also think I like Southern Bastards so much. I think that would oh, be yeah. kind yeah. of uh, in that same vein as well. Uh, Black Hammer, definitely, because they are literally trapped in a small town. <laughs> yeah, that's right? a, it's a recurring theme <laughs> yeah. of Jeff Lemire's is that small town weird people, you know. Uh, and Matt Kent uh, has another series that he's launched very recently that's only been going about a year or so called Department H. Yeah. Uh, which is about a murder mystery set in uh, like an undersea laboratory. like um, So like Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, right. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, without telepathic sharks. Yeah, yeah. And Samuel L. Jackson. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, he might be there. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's a... But it, LL Cool J is in it. Right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Uh, and, you know, it's... It's it, it sort of captures that uh, sort of small town feel in the sense that, like, it's this very small group of people right. forced to live together in a very... In confined space, and then all of a sudden there's like a locked room murder mystery. Yeah, and somebody has to come down to investigate. Great it's stuff! Awesome. There's a bunch of Kent and Lemire stuff for you. Now read it and get back to us. We want to know what you thought. Will do. Okay, you have to do it. You understand, Kyle? That is your job. You have homework. I'll return and report. All right. <laughs> Thank you for your call, Kyle. It's always good to talk to you, brother. All right. Take care. See you, bud. All right, can we get to some of these damn voicemails? Uh, or what? Well, hold on. Black Scorpion the Three is trying to get through. Is he? I've got the ringer on. Now is the time. The ringer is on. Come on, BS the Three. Where you at? In the meantime, while we're waiting, let's see. Oh, um, let's get back to Lord Fungus. Oh, there he is.
BS the three of you beautiful bastard. I knew you'd get through. Huh? <laughs> How's it going, fellas? Good. Yeah, I kind of lost, <laughs> lost track of time. Uh, BS4 was a, a lively boy today. Oh, was he? Hey, uh, Spank him so and tell him Uncle I, Matt says hello. All right? Li- lively <laughs> boy. <laughs> lively boy was my nickname in high school. Gross. That was when so, you were on the flat so floor, I, right? I, I have two things I wanted to talk to you guys about, and I, I don't want to tie up the lines too much. First is... I want to know whether or not you guys have gotten uh, the cape on Blu-ray yet. And the second <laughs> is my answer to the question of the week. <laughs> Wait, which no one, fans? which one was the cape? Was that the one with Keith David? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> that was like really, really early, like WB television. Right? No, it was on NBC. Was it NBC? Yeah. Oh, you're right. I, I think it launched, it, it launched, if I'm not mistaken, like right around the time that Arrow launched. And That's about right. Yeah, yeah. Arrow was yeah. a hit, and the cape. Like Matt, I understand that you don't like Arrow. I don't like Arrow. But the cape is objectively <laughs> awful. Oh, the cape was canceled like during the second half of the third episode. <laughs> yeah, right. They're like they're just oh like no one is watching so this. Bad. Just dude, let's just go to dead air. Like, let's just go to that green peacock that keeps coming up for a little while, right. you know, and going like, away. Keith, <laughs> Keith David is a carnival performer that teaches a guy the secret tricks of his really wicked cloak. Oh, God. It's like, oh, okay, great. Uh, Speaking of dumb yeah. costumes, what's your answer for the question of the week? Oh, I, I thought really hard about this one. I was going back and forth on all kinds of folks. I finally decided on Gypsy. Do you guys yeah. know anything about Gypsy uh, stuff too? Uh, a bad De- one. Detroit era Gypsy, I assume. Whew. Yeah, so so she turns into a stereotype. Yes, she does. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah, she really uh, did. She was like, you I, know I what think, I want to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that is particularly I, like that's a, that's a different kind of awful than just a bad color scheme or something like that. And what, what I think about like dressing to a stereotype and choosing to turn into that, it's just so bizarre to me. Oh, um, yeah. so, so that was my pick. But, Good yeah. Lord. She was going to call in and, and put that on the table. Yeah, it's like she was like, you know what? I'm not gypsy enough. <laughs> I want to go ape shit with this costume. Like, I shouldn't just be a superhero. I should be, like, a Halloween costume superhero. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so bad with all the patches and the dress and stuff. So totally. It's, it's, uh, totally. Yeah, it's particularly bad. All right, well, I didn't want to tie up the lines. I just want to put that out there, fellas. Thank you, BS3. Right, Have a great one. Right, Thanks for calling. Care. Go round up that uh-huh. BS4, all right? Take care of that kid. <laughs> all right, bye now. All right, we'll talk to you later. Let's get to these damn voicemails. What was Gypsy's power while I'm loading this up? What was her power? Um, she had like illusion powers oh, or, right. or like chameleon kind of powers where she could blend in. And she was and like empathetic too or something like that? Or? No. Okay, never That's mind. somebody else. Was she related to Deathstroke? No. Okay. Is she dead? No. No. Oh, she's out there somewhere doing her dumb thing. She's a, I don't know if she's in the, I don't know if she's been around and I don't recall if she's been around in the new 52. All right. Let's check out what Sir Fungus has for us. Our Lord Fungus. Lord Fungus. Lord Fungus. Lord Fungus. Oh, we gave him. Okay. He's not. Yeah. We gave him an upgrade. Yeah. It's Lord Fungus. Okay. Okay. Good morning, Joe and Matt. This is the home of heavy metal in Birmingham, England calling. It's Ian Kelly. Good morning to you guys. Good morning, listeners. Hope you're all doing fantastic this morning. They're great. I uh, just want to call in with my answer for the question of the week, which I believe was worst dressed uh, and worst costume on a uh, on a comic book character. I'm going to get straight into it and say Captain Boomerang. Captain fucking Boomerang. And I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about Carmine Infantino. He designs this guy. Oh, he appears yeah. on, the, on the cover of Flash 117, December 1960 looking like a 
frigging Australian Airlines flight attendant. The guy, <laughs> oh, awful, absolutely awful. Uh, just like a sort of pinafore thing, and that's supposed to intimidate the Flash. Uh, I'd be like, oh, nah, you're all right, mate. It's you know, you know, I jog on. All right, <laughs> no pun intended. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, Captain Boomerang. So yeah, really, really awful. Um, Going to get straight on with our word of the week. All right. I just want to get in there for the word of the week. Oh, right. Brilliant, by the way, Joe. Can I just thank you so much for that excellent, the, the execution. You knocked of, Codswallop of out of the park. Codswallop last week was just beautiful. You slipped it in at the end. Just the out tip, of wherever they play cricket. You slipped it in all the same. <laughs> word of the week, guys. Say it with me. Pillock. Pillock. That is. Pillock. What is a pillock? Pillock is a mild idiot. It's a mild form of idiot. I don't want to be nasty about this. You know, I'm not going to go and say you're a twat or you're a jebbend. I'm just going to (laughs) say you're a bit of a pillock, mate. Can we say jebbend uh, on the show? I don't know. (laughs) Mission's yours this week, mate. Work that one into a review. Okay, pillock. Okay, I'll leave you guys with a bit of a question before I go. All right. So the movie Atomic Blonde is out next week in the UK. I believe it's out in the US as well, but you're the colony, so you get things later. Um, Everyone knows, well, it's well known that it is based on the uh, the trade paperback, The Coldest City. So, question to you guys, what is the northmost city in comic books? Is it 30 Days of Nights, Barrow, Alaska? Or is there anywhere slightly colder? Anyway, have a chat about that. Chat amongst yourselves and have a great day. Um, Brilliant show, loving it. Uh, it's great to hear the MP3s on there. And, uh, you know, you guys just carry on doing what you're doing. Keep on trucking and being you. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> Birmingham, over and out. Thank you, Lord Fungus. Always good to hear from you. The northernmost city I can think of. Uh, I mean, outside of Barrow, Alaska. Mm. That's a tough one. Where did Fallout take place? The Greg Rucker book. Whiteout? Uh, Pardon me, Whiteout. That was like... Took place in the Antarctic. Oh, you're right. So, I was going to say that if there was any place that competed with Barrow, it would be maybe like the fictional kingdom that ice is from in Norway or whatever made-up country in the DC Universe. Oh, right. Um, But, like, all of those, like, Scandinavian countries, they're either, like, right parallel to Alaska or slightly south. Yeah. So We'll call it a tie. We'll call it a tie. What's the name of the country she's from? Um, Sorry, hold on. Iceland. The made-up country of Iceland. (laughs) Doesn't a little-known fact, Iceland does not exist. Uh, Her name is Tora, Olaf's daughter. Ooh. And she comes from the fictional kingdom. Where? Where? Tell me where. New Icelandia. New Icelandia. Saskatchewan. Why doesn't it say where she's from? I don't know. Where, what are you looking on? Are you on the DC? Wiki? I'm on her. I'm on her Wikipedia page. Hold on. I'm on the DC wiki. Matt, I'm on actual Wikipedia. It's gonna have the same information. She has the ability of cryokinesis. Cryokinesis. Yes. Check. Tora Olaf's daughter. Oof. Tora Olaf's daughter. That's a mouthful. Uh, Chris, go ahead and call if you want. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't say here either. Um, I remember I remember the 90s Justice League. They went to visit that kingdom when Ice died. Uh, she got better. But, yeah, I don't remember the name of the kingdom or even if they named it. But uh, I don't see any. 
It just says that she's the princess of an isolated tribe of magic-wielding Norsemen. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> gotcha. All right. Yeah. Okay, then. I guess that's your answer. There you go. You know what? I'm, I'm giving it to Barrow, because if you look at the map of the world, you know, the, where they kind of flatten out the globe, the only other contenders are places like maybe in extreme northern... Uh, what would have been Russia at the time or Greenland. And I don't know of any comic book characters from Greenland. Okay. It says her citizenship is Norwegian. So it is her country or whatever it is. Her kingdom is in Norway. Okay. So well, tie between that. I don't think it's North of Barrow. Norway and Barrow. I'm saying it's tied. Do you have the ringer off? I don't think so. Oh, yeah, I did. Sorry. We were taking a voicemail. So that's why. So there you go. Cold places. Uh, Chris Bockelder's trying to call. Chris, he lost his mind last week. Freaked out. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, no. We went off. I don't know why that keeps happening. Sorry about that. Facebook Live keeps letting us down here. I don't know what the deal so is. So it's, but it's not the same video, right? So there's nobody watching. Uh, no, they'll have to reconnect. It'll show that we're oh, live or whatever. Man. Yeah, I don't know. Facebook Live is putzed out on us uh, twice now. So get it together. What the crap? You know, aren't you? What running? the crap? Am I right? Yeah, aren't you running for president or something in 2020? I mean, this is gonna look bad. You know. There we go. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover Caller. Who it is? Hello? 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 There he is. Did I get you? Hello, you got me. <laughs> Who this? Awesome. Hey, guys. This is actually coming from THN Earth 4. Christoph the Blockbuster Bachelder. How you guys doing Whoa. today? He's feeling much better. All right. We're doing okay. Earth 4, huh? I was aware of Earth 1 and 2. Yeah. I heard about 3, but 4, this is new. Yeah, 3 is uh, kind of egotistical. Yeah. But anyway, I, I need your guys' help for something right away let's get into it um well based on what i've learned our comic cons went very differently in regards to the dc cinematic universe okay uh in your cinematic universe or your comic con i guess ben affleck said he loves being batman in ours he gave the bird he pulled down his pants he flipped his dick around for a while and then he shit on the stage and walked off wow really really <laughs> vile that is dramatic <laughs> So we are uh, we are trying to pivot. We are trying to spin. We are turning the Batman into an HBO series. Okay. Uh, we've got some people lined up, but I want to know. You guys are the experts. Who would you cast as Batman, Gordon, and Alfred? This is so hard. You can have anyone. I, I got a lot of money here. This so. is so hard. It's got a lot of money. Yeah, I'm I'm really bad at fantasy casting. This is so um, hard. I will say that of all of the all of the modern DC casting, other than. Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, who I adore. Right. Uh, I think the best casting they've come up with so far is J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I'm at all. very excited to see him. Um, but if I were to cast a TV series, I would cast Brian Cranston as Commissioner Gordon. Cranston would be good because yeah. I think that Walter that's who, White. That's who we're kicking around as well. I think that Walter White pre-shaved uh, head is Commissioner Gordon. He looks like Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. But uh, yeah. you got to go younger with Batman. That's the hard part. You got to go younger, but I can't think of like somebody younger with that like 
scary gravitas that you know that you need for a good looking Bruce Wayne, but scary Batman. Well, if you're doing a TV series, why do you have to go younger? You have to because Ben Affleck's just too old. He's too old to do it. I need a younger looking Batman. It's all computers, man. That I believe you know is gonna can be the role and is doing his thing. You know what I mean? Like Christian Bale at the time when he signed on for the first Batman was perfect. Mm -hmm. Perfect age, looked great, scary as Batman, looked like rich guys. But I don't want some 25-year-old as Batman. No, no, no. Give me somebody in their 30s as Batman. I'd be fine with that. Like, I would say early 20s, late 20s, early 30s. But I don't know who it is. It's so hard. I can tell you guys who are kicking around the office right now. Who's that in Earth 4 who's kicking around? So, of course, a little bit on the older side, but we thought about John Hamm for our Batman. John but if we're going with the younger side, we're going on the younger side. We're thinking Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt. Help me the out. The Beast. He's, yeah, he's Beast. He's the Beast from X-Men First Class. I know. I got to see a picture of his face. He's too cute. He's too cute. He's the most handsome man so in Gotham City. I know, but he's too cute. You know what I mean? I, I, I do I need no, I someone don't. like like classically macho and stuff. Nicholas Holt. I, I just mean, wanna, he's I got like kiss a that baby kid. face. Yeah, I want to kiss him. He's adorable, you know? All right. We'll shred uh, his contract right now. So. Uh, I mean, John Hamm, if, if, if they were doing like a, a kind of a grizzled Batman who's been at it for a while, John Hamm, I think, would be an amazing mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne for sure. 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 It's like, here's where, I com- here's where I'm at when it comes to Batman. I look at the 1989 Batman movie when they cast Michael Mm -hmm. Keaton and everybody was like, whoa, what? Mr. Mom is Batman. And the trick is, is that you don't really, you don't, it's not as important to have a guy that looks great in the costume. Yeah. It's important to have a guy that looks great as Bruce Wayne and they can pull off. That's where I'm going here. The personality. I think it's way harder to cast Bruce Wayne than it is to cast Batman because anybody can put on the costume, look good and look scary. But Bruce Wayne, that's the hard part. I mean, really? I just don't know. I don't know modern actors very well. I know. Um, I do, and I just—that's why we were thinking Nicky Boy. But if you guys don't think he's good, you know, don't worry. I'll shoot him in the head right now. Yeah, just kill him. No, listen, <laughs> things are way violent. Uh, not that way I don't think he's good. More I just violent think he's, on Earth. He's, he's, he's like too cute. I need somebody, you know, that scariness that that Christian Bale brought to the role. Like, so you want somebody youngish, but also kind of grizzled. The, not necessarily grizzled, but like you know, can pull off that intimidating. Like this guy could switch at any time and just beat the hell out of me. You know. Uh, what's his head from girls that plays, uh, the Kylo Ren, Kylo Ren is a perfect example. Good looking guy, you know? Yeah. He's, no, he's, he's, a, you're no, he's a very unfortunate looking no, human he's being. He's a good looking guy. He's a very good looking guy. And when he takes that mask uh, off, Adam the Driver scary, is, is yeah, thank you. Thing, when yeah. Driver takes that yeah. mask off, he's still a scary looking dude that could still smile. And you'd be like, Oh no, he's a nice guy. I got it. <laughs> um, I think you're wrong about Adam Driver, but I'm going to, I'm going to, piggyback on your Star Wars theme and I'm going to say Oscar Isaac would be perfect. He's the perfect age yeah. and he's fucking handsome yeah. and he's a great actor and I think that he could do that character switch. I think that he could be a great Batman. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Not bad at all. I'll, I'll send that an offer to him. Now, do you guys have any thoughts on Alfred? Alfred. I, you know what? I love Jeremy Irons. <laughs> As Alfred? I have no problem with Jeremy Irons. I, I like. I, I'd say hold on to it. That's fine with me. You know, right. I, I I think of when I think of Alfred. When I close my eyes and think of Alfred, 
I immediately think of like the Jim Aparo uh, 70s, 80s, up till now, Alfred with kind of the bald top the and the pencil <clears throat> mustache. Sure. And I can't think of any actors uh, that kind of embody that right now. Um, but I liked, I liked Michael Caine as Alfred. I like Jeremy Irons. I think he's a fine actor. Um, but I, I like somebody like those guys don't look like traditional English butlers to me. Sure. You know, I need like a skinny old man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ricky Gervais. Ugh. Ricky Gervais is Alfred. Get out of here. Boom. There it is. Done. Get out of here. Brilliant casting. I'll write uh, it down. You're like, like, I think who would make a good Alfred if he were a little older would be somebody like Stanley Tucci or... Yeah. Uh, you know what? Stanley Tucci would be perfect. He can do a British accent. Sure, he's but plenty of time. he's a little young, I think, if we're you talking about age him. Yeah. And he's old enough. Stanley Tucci's got to be late 50s, early 60s. Yeah, but he's got to be old enough to have like raised Bruce. Make him look old. Stanley Tucci. Alfred. Done. White people love Stanley Tucci. Remember that, Aquid? It's true. true. Those crackers are crazy about him out here. The Tucci's loose. (laughs) Thank you for your call, Chris. It's always good to hear from you, brother. That was a tough one. Not a problem. But I'm glad we fixed it. Thank you, guys. Okay, you go take care of it for... Enjoy your Batman movie. We're not getting a good one here, unfortunately. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Patrick, our friend Patrick, says, I think Adam Sandler would be a great Batman. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I am the knight. (laughs) Zippity-doo. Somebody online, and I didn't come up with this, was saying Dominic Cooper, the guy that played Howard Stark. Oh, as Batman? Yeah. I think he'd be really good. I think he could be great. He's a good-looking guy. He can be unassuming. He can probably bulk up a little bit and be scary. Oh, Dominic Cooper, the young Howard Stark. Yeah, he played young Howard Stark. Yeah, Sorry. I was thinking of my mind went no, to... No, 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 not dude from... Roger Sterling from Mad Men. No, not that. Uh, yeah, yeah, Dominic Cooper. Oh, he plays Jesse Custer. He's yeah. a preacher. Yeah. I yeah, think, sure. I think he could do it. I've never seen him without a beard. Well, you know, he can shave. It happens. But what if he looks weird? He doesn't look weird. The man's beautiful. Sometimes people look weird without their facial hair, hair you, Matt. You know who else is have beautiful? Have you seen Dave DeMarco lately? You know who doesn't have any facial hair and is gorgeous? Randy Andrews. Hello. Whoa. This is Randy Andrews, <laughs> and I am emailing in for the question of the week this week. This week, you talked about worst-dressed superheroes or villains. Well, I may have read it wrong, but anyway, I'd have to say that the worst-dressed would be the Jean... Paul, uh, oh, what is Shame his name? on you. You're going to say Jean Paul, Paul Valley, Azrael. No. Valley. Wrong. <laughs> uh, as Batman. No! Um, from the 90s. No! Uh, that costume that he had was absolutely the worst, and I oh. don't even know how he would have moved around in it Never mind. for as any Batman. length of period yes. of time. That was bad. So that's my answer for that. Last week, I would have called in, but I had a very busy week, but my answer would have been Back to the Future, the cartoon. Or I would have picked the Saturday morning anime on the Sci-Fi channel because I absolutely loved that period of time where I could sit down and watch a Saturday morning anime that brought in new type of material, new type of art, new type of action. And it was wonderful. It was great. So... That's what I've got this week, guys. Hope you enjoy it, and you guys have a good week. Check out my soundtrack um, podcast, soundtrackalley.net, 
We'll talk to you later. Soundtrack with Randy Andrews. <laughs> That's the theme song, the That's official great. theme song. Uh, uh, his Batman. He's talking about John Paul Valley when he became Batman. Yeah, terrible costume. That and they're costume bringing it. Sucked. They're bringing it back. It's uh, coming back for great. a story. Good. Excellent. Um, I do remember. I do remember Saturday morning anime. I remember it was awesome in the nineties. Just kicking around at home one time, and I turned. I was flipping through the channels, and all of a sudden, Vampire Hunter, Vampire yeah. Hunter D was on my TV, and I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. I don't know why they don't do it more. Let's go to James Kaplan. Our THN, uh, he's our uh, general practitioner. The official THN general practitioner, Dr. James Kaplan. He's an attorney. Well, he's a doctor now. Okay. Hey, guys, James Kaplan here. I have an answer that's kind of an answer to the question of the week. I think there's a lot of silly, goofy costumes in comics, and there have been historically. And, you know, while I could focus on, for example, 1990s, early 90s, you know, pouches and shoulder pad kind of costumes, that's not what really came to mind when I was thinking about costume designs or redesigns that really bug me. Um, The one that really bothered me was the new 52 redesigns on the Justice League. In particular, I'm thinking of The Flash, Superman, and Batman. Those are, I mean, I think anyone would agree, among the most iconic costumes, not just in comics, but I mean, like, the Batman and Superman costumes are sort of among the most popular iconography in the world. Um, I also think they're essentially perfect examples of iconic costume design. And Superman's costume is it's loud, it's bright, and it conveys someone heroic. And Flash's costume, I think the Silver Age Flash costume is essentially perfect costume design. Like, it conveys speed in the design. My problem with the New 52 redesign was that Basically, they decided, or Jim Lee decided, let's just make everything look a lot busier. Let's just throw a whole bunch of extra lines on there, because that's what everybody likes is extra lines. Uh, make everything look more like armor. Uh, give people high collars and just put all that weird extra piping. And basically take great, simple costumes and make them look busier. Um, so I thought that was terrible when they did it. I think they seem to be sort of on trying to do undo some of that. Um, I'm, I'm just generally of the opinion that simpler costumes are better. Anyway, uh, great stuff. Love the show. Take care. Okay. I'm going to speak in defense of Jim Lee for a moment. Jim Lee has always been this guy. That's not a defense. Well, hold on. Let me, let me finish. You know what? In his defense, he's always been a fucking asshole. No. <laughs> that's, that's not a defense. No, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is he's been doing this since we first met him, and when he started doing it, we all loved it. In retrospect, looking uh, back at that, fe- at that Jean Grey costume that we now think is totally ridiculous back in the day, I did not have a problem with it. I thought she looked awesome. And you know what, Sean? I kind of liked Rogue wearing a lot. Yeah. I mean, like, and, <laughs> and honestly... He became famous doing what he does. And then DC like, said, Jim, we love you. I, we love what you got. Redesign the Justice League. I think that and Jim he went, Lee. Here it goes. I think that Jim Lee is a very talented artist, but he is a terrible yes, designer. Terrible. Not good. I don't disagree. Uh, and yes, I agree. Like, what? But, and to your point, like, he was good at it in the 90s and we thanked him for it in the 90s, but what worked in the 90s does not work now. No. And James is 100% right. You don't need to take 
Like, I understand why they wanted to update Superman's costume. Sure. I don't agree. Like, the red trunks are fine. It's right. iconic. Everybody thinks of it when they think of Superman. Right. But you want to update it, fine. What Patrick Gleason did to fix the New 52 design of Superman, to recapture the iconic look of Superman, but still kind of modernize it, is exactly what they should have done. Yes. Instead, they put him in battle armor. Yeah. And... A nano suit that flowed over him. Yeah. It didn't make any sense. Which is like straight out of that like Will Smith script for Superman that was floated around. <laughs> you know, like why? I mean, so the whole internet went. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> and yeah, so this Superman, Superman is my answer to this question. Okay. Uh, and Ketnard and James, they've hit it right on the head for me. It's like, it wasn't broken. The Flash's costume, as conceived by Carmine Infantino in the 50s, mm -hmm. is literally perfect. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. Right. The only thing that people thought could have been changed or added is that some artists draw it with f f uh, wings on the boots. Oh, right. Like the helmet, and some don't. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, it's excellent. Maybe you want to slant the lightning bolts a little bit more. Fine. But yeah, all of these lines and bulk and yeah. pads. Well, and it doesn't add V-neck collars on every character. Add, like any type of realism to the character either. Like it, it's almost like he, they went into it trying to make it with this like real world sort of military sort of ultimate Marvel kind of look, but it ended up looking even more bizarre. It ended up looking yeah. like robot crustaceans. Knee pads. Like built their costume right. from secretions. <laughs> you know? yeah. I, I hate it. It was the, and honestly, I think it was the worst on the bat team. It was the worst. Oh, well, you really didn't like the Batgirl, but they God, did the Batgirl. I hated that. I mean, I didn't mind the, the second redesign of Batgirl where she was wearing the boots and stuff like that. That looked a lot better. But, like, that first one where Batman and Robin and everybody was wearing this, like, weird future shiny armor. It just sucked. And it looked like it couldn't even fight in it. It's just stupid. Just stupid. I, I kind of like the costume we have now for Batman. Yeah, I'm fine uh, with that. It's a little bit more restrained in terms of the lines, it's the, back. the busyness of the Much costume. Much more to the original Batman. Um, it's got a little bit of color in it, which right. I appreciate. But they do like make it look a little real-world. subtle. World. Like he's wearing something, which I'm fine yeah. with. It's not just a unitard. Um, like, I, I know that it's silly, but it's comics, right? Right. I don't need you to make Batman look like he's wearing tactical gear. No, not at all. I understand in my head, like... They they did it pretty great in the comics in the past. Uh, during Hush, Jim Lee, mm -hmm. he was wearing the very traditional Batman costume, but it was clear that it was also full of technology right. and gadgets just woven into the suit. Sure. So he wasn't just wearing spandex. Right. It looked like Batman, but it was more than just. But I also don't need how it, it like. Oh, he has a bulletproof vest on. I don't need it to like, look. Oh, he's wearing like modular pieces that right. that fit together. Stupid. I don't need it. It's like, oh, it takes him three and a half hours to get into his costume, huh? Cool. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, we got another voicemail here. We're rambling. We got we to gotta plow through these. Let's do it. I'm going to want the plow. Plowing. Hey, honey, it's me. Uh, just give me a quick call. I recently read uh, the Marvel Epic Collection of Chris Claremont, the beginning of his X-Men run, which I had never, never read, which is uh, turns out to be pretty awesome, and I can see why it's uh, so highly regarded. However, it did have something that was pretty awful in it and pertains to the question. 
Now, it's not, I wouldn't say it's the worst costume ever. It's definitely the worst mask ever, and that's uh, Havoc's original mask with the uh, <laughs> uh, covers the face, the and it's got those the three stupid hoops. Like a tuning fork. In the middle of those hoops is this giant red brooch, <laughs> uh, and sometimes a burn or, or uh Playing on the other guy's name, the other artist, but when they would Dave got get close-ups of it, it just it's got these weird fringes. It was oh shit. yeah, it's awful. It's terrible looking. Yeah, awful. <laughs> yeah, so that's all I got. Um, talk to you later. Love you. Bye. It's our mystery husband. Love you too. I'm glad we're back uh, together. We had a little spat last week. But <laughs> everything's better. Havoc. Um, I have a soft spot in my heart for Havoc's original costume. I do too. And I get that it is very silly, the the, the tuning fork helmet. Um, but other than the helmet, other than the the mask, it's all black. It's a all black one piece. Yeah. That just like crackles with his energy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it did have the white, you know, symbol. No, I think that was just his energy. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Later on though, it had a symbol on his chest. It had the white. There was a lines, modern the there was a lines. modern redesign. Uh, for Uncanny Avengers, John Cassidy. That's not what I was thinking. I've seen some before that. Another variation of the um, costume. I think if you look it up, still wearing the black skin. I tight. think if you look it up in the handbook, it was like some sort of like gauge. Okay. Uh, that kind of um, metered the amount of power that was flowing through him. Okay. So it just so happens that my answer is Havoc's girlfriend, Polaris. <laughs> Polaris has never had a good costume. Never. And I'm talking through the history of the character, starting with that stupid green costume with the shoulder pads and all the hair straight up in the, oh my God, she yeah. looked awful. Like, uh, oh God, what's her name from the eighties? Did the cover. I think we're alone now. Um, Tiffany, Tiffany, totally. She had like the Tiffany haircut with like a green scrunchie, like hair up in the air, weird crown thing after that, that held her hair back and like the shoulder pad cape, like Mr. Sinister type string cape thing coming off of her. So much green bullshit that they put this woman in later on. She would join X factor and she was like, Wearing the, they had like a team outfit, but she wore this stupid green jacket over it. Like, no, she didn't. Yeah, she did. No, she she totally did. It no, was she just wore the team outfit. Nope, no. Nope. It didn't have a green jacket. She's never had a good costume. Polaris is the most tragically dressed woman in the Marvel universe, and I just like to think like mm. maybe she just can't shop. You know, maybe she's just not good at this. <laughs> you know, maybe. like she's flashy. She can't help it. Maybe like, nothing's too good for the daughter of Magneto. Like the old women that shop at Chico's and they think they look fabulous in their like weird bedazzled sweater and like white blazer with a time collar. Like, oh, when grandma, was the last time you went to a Chico's? What are you doing? <laughs> you know, it is not fancy. No. <laughs> she uh, looks awful. Yeah. It's always looked awful. And to be fair, I love the character. I love Polaris. But every time she showed up, it's just like, oh, God, the boots and like green bikini. <laughs> like, oh, God. All right. Enough of this Polaris passion. I won't take it. Terrible. Oh, that was fun. Thank you to everybody that called in. We had a really good time today. And uh, we're going to jump back to our other show. And we're going to end with a postcard from the Orca, our buddy. Is it going to be before this segment? No, we'll just do it at the very end. Okay. Um, thank you to Tim Benson who called and left a voicemail just to wish me happy birthday. I appreciate Aww, that. Oh, Timmy. Matt decided not to play it on the air. Yeah, well, right. you know. Happy birthday. Uh, like favorite caller? Favorite caller. 
Anthony. That Cosmic Boy costume is like a literal crime. That is certainly the worst costume. Oh, what was the British word I was supposed to use? Pilked? Pillock. Pillock. Yeah. I'm not going to use it to describe him because he just looks like a pervert. He doesn't look like a pillock. He just looks like a pervert. All right. Now, Mike Grell, eh, bit of a pillock. I'd say that. Yeah. Like, I don't think Grell's a bad guy, but uh, he's done some really questionable shit. <laughs> it's true. Guy's not an idiot, but a bit of a pillock. Just saying. Okay. There it is. Hot take. You guys want to play along? We'll be here next week, Saturday from 11 till 1230. We discuss all the comic book related nerd news of the week, be it TV, be it movies, be it video games, whatever you want. Call us. Yell at us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we love that you guys tune in and watch us on Facebook. Thank you so much. This is a ton of fun. We don't have a show without you. And earlier, we got a call. I can't remember who it was from, but he was kind of stroking our egos talking about how... Ethan. Ethan, about how the discourse is so good on both this show and on our web forums. That has nothing to do with Joe and I. That's you guys. And we appreciate the hell out of it. You've helped us build this community. It's an awesome community to be a part of. I mean, we helped. Thanks for keeping it positive. We all poke a little fun at each other, but at the end of the day, I think we all love each other, right? Fuck you. It's all about the love, you fucking asshole. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Before we go, one final treat. It's time to check in with the old man in the sea himself, our friend, the crusty old worker. Dear aspiring comic book artists, all of you, listen up. For years, you've been told that your dreams are stupid and that it's impossible to get paid to draw superheroes. You've been told that the odds of you drawing comics for a job are longer than the odds of playing for my beloved Red Sox. You've been told you're silly, immature, a slacker, and childish, unrealistic, or good for around here. Don't forget ugly and poorly dressed. That even if you make it, it's long hours for little pay. Sure, in many cases, some or all of this is true. But overall, society has convinced enough of you of this that you've put it off. Or thought you'd come back to it one day after you got going in the real world, or once your kids were a little older, or maybe after you had your own apartment. Maybe even you put your pencil down mid-drawing. Now it's covered in dust, and a few books you haven't finished, and old mail you haven't filed away. But it's gone too far for too long. And now we have Jeff Lemire drawing his own shit. <laughs> we have this guy, S.L. Gallant, on G.I. Joe, who, sorry, ruins that book month after month with his sixth-grade equivalent rush jobs. Ooh. I love that foreign guy who does Copra, or someone like Shaky Kane, but their simplistic style <laughs> is too often mimicked with disastrous results. Going back to Lamia, and you can lump his buddy Matt Kent in here, too. I know the Oracle will catch holy hell for this. But their coffee shop hipster style is convincing everyone that this is okay. <laughs> that giant watercolor splotches are sufficient backgrounds. And that their uniqueness and independence balances out their five-minute doodles and over-reliance on negative space and blackout shortcuts and gimmicks. 
A little's okay, but it's like ants in your pantry. The longer it goes on, the more territory they claim. So how did we get here? As I started this rant off, they convinced you real artists out there that there were too many of you. They told you in the 1990s that you couldn't do what Jim Lee and Stephen Platt were doing. That you were the equivalent of a drum player in a garage band and they only wanted Axl Rose. <laughs> I shudder to think how many Dave Grohls we talked out of drawing comics and into being local insurance agents. But hear my rally cry. We want you back, all of you. Between the rise of independent comic publishers, the bi-weekly publication schedules adopted by DC and Marvel, essentially doubling the number of available spots in the big leagues, and most importantly, the advent of digital comics, it has never been easier to get published, to get assignments, or to get yourself published where it noticed. Go viral. What was once the equivalent of playing pro baseball for less than minimum wage is now a barren desert wasteland in need of refreshing new talent. Couple final bits of advice, one from me and one from Jonathan Hickman. Drawing is like running. You're not going to be in the, your best shape when you pick up that pencil again. Run a little more every day and you'll be back to a 5K in no time. The nice thing here is that if it's been 5, 10, even 15 years since you tried, your prime hasn't necessarily passed. As promised, I'll end with a bit from Jonathan Hickman's essay from the back of the Nightly News trade paperback. Aside from writing epic, thought-provoking comics, Mr. Hickman is quite the unique artist. In regards to comic book writing... Mr. Hickman says the following. I am my own enemy. Resistance is my nature. I am aware of resistance, and it prevents me from achieving the life I've meant to have. Resistance is self-generated, self-perpetuated. It lies and seduces. Its goal is my utter destruction. Every day is a battle for my soul. This moment, this day, I change my life. Help me to defeat myself and realize fate. Maybe the next Mike Jannon is out there. The next Ulysses Farinas. Or the next Jeff Shaw. But for now, focus on being the first you. Kiss, kiss, the orca. Excelsior! Oh. That is it for THN 453, if you dig podcasts that not only bag on artists but name names. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. THN is a listener-supported podcast, and we want to send a Galacticon-sized thank you to all of our regular supporters on PayPal and on Patreon. Couldn't do it without you. Uh, the donations you guys send in, the support, not just monetarily, but also... We have cover to cover right. and on the forums and right. on Twitter and on Facebook. It's what enables us to do what we do. We love doing it. We hope you like listening to it. 
let's keep doing it together. Yeah, without your help, we wouldn't be able to slog through our own brutal divorces. Before we go, mm. our weekly shout-out goes to loyal listener Kyle Fox, who stalked the show floor at San Diego Comic-Con, gathering intros for the show. Word to you, Kyle. That was great. And I know that some of you out there were at Comic-Con or yeah. any other comic book you convention. Jerks. And what did we get? Bupkiss! <laughs> You may have heard Kyle earlier in the show. He is a Jeff Lemire fan, so suck at the orca. There you go. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just show up for Wednesday day of business wearing his own black marshmallow-lined bustier. Oh, jeez. I can't even imagine. Yeah. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off.